Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast all about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, or otherwise known as the world's first ever podcast. Did, did you know that, boys? Well, the first ever? Yeah, we were the world's first ever podcast on any subject. That is quite remarkable. Yeah, and we are back again, uh, as we do so every single week. That voice you heard there was Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And down the line, somewhere, mysteriously, is Tim Cocker. Yeah, I can only apologise for my lack of physical presence. So I apologise for a second podcast running. Very unlike me. Uh, but it's it's half term and I've been away with the kids. And I'm currently in central London where I can confirm due to, um, well, I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but you can get a very, very good deal on a hotel on a Sunday night in London, it turns out. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, an exceptionally good deal. Where, where are you staying? Your normal place? The, um, the Cocker Suite at the Ledbury? <laughs> Lensbury. Lensbury, yeah, exactly. Lensbury, sorry. Lensbury. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the city. Oh. Um, big shot. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Phil uh, Phil's there tomorrow actually. I am. Hey, um, maybe maybe you could hang out. I'm down for the next few days. Oh are you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, if my stay is prolonged, I will we'll get in touch. Yes. Yeah, ra- raise hell. Maybe Go find us ne- somewhere at altitude to drink. Absolutely. Have a Negroni or two. Uh, were you at any games this weekend, Cocker? I was at the London Iron London Irish's Brentford Community Stadium, and may I just say, without even talking about the game, what a place that is—a cracking stadium! Wow, well, it's brilliant. Bearing in mind there were only four thousand people there, I mean, it was an amazing game, which added to the atmosphere, and so did the weather. But when that place is full, it is going to be a must as an away trip. And London mm. Irish fans, you are very, very, very lucky with your new home. I loved it. Well, hold that thought because we've got that and much, much more. But first, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube. Uh, we've both had the week off because we've been on holiday and whatnot. It full steam ahead next week. And Hell yeah. also, don't forget the North, not South Dorset, not South, very different Sevens mm. tournament, the North Dorset Sevens. We've got a Sevens team in, we've got a Tens team in for veterans, of course. Not 
not military veterans. You don't, you don't. <laughs> well, you can be a military. Yeah, veteran. yeah, yeah. You're not. Ex- we're not excluding. We, we'd military encourage. Veterans. We'd encourage military veterans to be part of our vets team. Uh, we absolutely would. I, all I'm saying is, you don't need to be a member of SEAL Team Six or a former member of SEAL <laughs> Team Six to play for us. Just over 35, and we'll follow that up on the Sunday evening with a live show. I think that's all the housekeeping done, is it not? No, except for patreon.com forward slash eggchasers, uh, which uh, enables us to do things like live podcasts, and we hope to do more of those. And uh, we are incredibly grateful for the support that you've already shown, and uh, we thank you for that. And as I say, point you to patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Excellent. Right, I've watched all of the games this weekend, Tim. You've been to a game. I assume you've watched all the games as well, have you? Uh, fewer than normal this weekend. Oh. Uh, I, I was away as well. Oh, this where, week, this and weekend. where were you this weekend? Uh, in Preston, and then the um, incredibly sunny Yorkshire Dales, mm. Skipton, Grassington, Linton, round there. A lovely part of the world to How be in. That, that get... is a gorgeous part of the world. My uh, my missus's grandfather built a ha- uh, built his house in grassington and so i've stayed there many a time lovely part of the world it how on earth did you get to so many towns in such a short period of time uh cars <laughs> um <laughs> Not... we, we got taxis from from point a to point b oh, to point I, thought, c. I thought that you were on a drinking bus and you hired a bus and went, and went around we no we didn't ah. uh, we, <laughs> so in the in the past we have done what we um affectionately um know it as uh, Ales in the Dales, which we have in the past um, headed from Leeds and headed via um, headed via uh, Ilkley up to Grassington, Threshfield, Linton, all the way around there on a bus, Hebden. But but this time it was just, uh, we stayed a bit more local than we, we did because travel was a little bit more difficult. But mm. yeah, travel around Threshfield, Linton, Grass, uh, Grassington and Skipton. Wow. W- Wharfdale's the cracking <laughs> rugby club up there. You must have played there a few times, Phil. A, a good few times. Wharfdale is a, a beautiful place to play rugby and a really, really good club. Yeah, Phil also stayed in the famous Rendezvous Hotel, which is famous because, well, it, actually, this isn't true, but we always used the Rendezvous Hotel <laughs> as an example of where they used to do the rugby league club call, yeah. although it never was actually at the Rendezvous <laughs> Hotel. So I did say. Yeah, and I, I feel like every time you mention club call, you should just explain for anyone that doesn't remember club call what it was because it was mind blowing. The idea, <laughs> was bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, the club call was Super League's idea to spice things up, <laughs> and in principle, it was a good idea. But they'd get the winner of the league to sit in a hotel conference room and decide which team they wanted to play in the semi-final. So it'd be Bristol picking. Who would Bristol pick? Harlequins, I assume. Yeah, yes. Bristol probably yeah. would pick Harlequins, they would. wouldn't they? They yeah. would. Yeah. That would just fire Harlequins. You can imagine Harlequins just getting so fired up if they did that. But it was where they did it. So it'd be a hotel somewhere in Yorkshire and all the biscuits would be wrapped up and, you know, it'd be Nescafe coffee on one of those little, you know, those very short but very wide cups and saucers. Oh, yes. Oh, lovely. Rendezvous Hotel in uh, Wakefield is where we imagine that it happened every year. We we can I just oh sorry go on Phil. Well, I was going to say we kind of have had a club call this week, haven't we? Oh, it's been great for top four rugby, as in well, trying to work out the permutations. No, no, no. You're right, Phil. You're absolutely right. We've had a club call, but <laughs> it it didn't work in it, it didn't it well didn't work against Bristol. It's actually worked for Bristol because Harlequins has well or kind of Exeter. I don't know. Well, well no, for Bristol because Harlequins have basically said, yeah, we'd rather play Bristol. 
Well, there's, there's another club call that I'm thinking of. Oh? Which is oh, the, a what? the Ealing club call, as in Ealing Saracens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. What's so, happened? So, after last weekend when Saracens' game was cancelled and weirdly um, appointed as a nil-nil draw, so but but no, no league points available, which um, isn't consistent with how it's been applied in the Premiership. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The only thing it actually meant was um, Ealing got to choose whether they played the home leg first or the away leg first for the final. <laughs> yes. So there was a, a sort of club call. So, uh, interesting thing about this is that so many people on Twitter were so certain that one is an advantage more than the other. Yeah, hundred like percent locked lockdown. Home is definitely the way forward. First yeah. game, or is it? I, who knows? I have no it's idea. It's a bit like playing into the wind. First half, the second half. Yeah, kind of. I'm just, some people have very strong opinions on that. Yeah, but, but you've got to do both. Yeah, exactly. The the only thing with the wind, it can change. It can. Yeah, it, it can, or it can change, die down. Right. So I I would always take the wind first half, um, just because it it can be fickle. Whereas home and away doesn't change like when you're playing at home you will be playing at home for the full 80 minutes mm. when you're playing away you will be playing away for the full 80 minutes so mm. bit odd very very odd uh oh, the other club call i kind of mentioned in, yeah. in a way is harlequins with their selection yes you could imagine bristol motivating themselves for the semi-final by saying look at that they they, they threw in the towel for third place they wanted fourth they wanted to come to us Let's- exactly yeah, yeah. i've not thought of that yes you, you are quite right, though. Well, there's a lot to dissect about the Harlequins' performance because what Harlequins did this weekend is what Sale are going to have to consider doing next weekend. And I'd like to go through, how do you think about that? Because I do not think in rugby, managing a loss or limiting a defeat or whatever you want to call it, mitigating damage is a good match strategy for anybody. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Well, Dean, Dean Richards, well, sorry, Dean Richards uh, said in his post-match chat after beating Worcester, people wondered why I sent the team down to Sandy Park like I did. That was the answer. Why that's the best we've played. That first half was the best we played all year. Yeah. Okay. So so there's there's times when you can have like um, freshen up your team mm. and give give players who've got niggles a bit of a rest, a bit of time off, and so they can focus more on the the following week. But equally, there's something in um, if you're in a winning run, keep winning. Don't don't break up a winning run, uh, and keeping keep your players playing. So that it'll be interesting to see how Sale uh, balance things well, this time around. Guess we can talk about Sale right now. Coming up. Well, well, no, no, no. Come on. The, <laughs> the first thing we have to talk about. Uh, I mean, no, no. We can, we we can just address that one before going back to games. What what would you do if you were Alex Anderson, JB? Wow. Your, your dream. What would I do if I was Alex Sanderson? Well, first thing I'd hire, do... You'd, you'd hire JB as your uh, comms manager. Yeah. Oh, as a comms... Oh, you would... Uh, well, this, this is another discussion altogether. <laughs> the messaging... Well, not the sale comms ma- ma- manager. I'd like the job as the premiership comms manager because the ma- the message would be very, very different coming out of the premiership. <laughs> very different. <laughs> would uh, you send a good team down to Sandy Park to try and win? Yes. But they still can. They still can get second yeah I, I absolutely would for a couple of reasons so we saw this week that harlequins came up with a weakened team and i think what harlequins were thinking is if we send our first team up and they get an absolute hiding at the hands of sale which is absolutely possible particularly considering what sale did to bristol mm-hmm. that psychological blow is going to be absolutely huge 
So, if you send up a second team and they lose, well, not a big deal. And if you send up your second team and they run them close, then that gives you a lot of uh, comfort going into your playoff. It's like, hey, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You've, made, you've got the ready-baked excuse. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a free roll of the dice, isn't it? Yeah. Unless you get beaten as badly as Harlequins did. So Yeah, if I, you I mean, absolutely pumped. Yeah. So that's no good. Now, Sale are going to go to Sandy Park. And I don't think they have an option. I think they have to put out their strongest team for this. People say, no, don't. Just rest people, go back the week after next, and then go at it hard. But no, because if you get absolutely pumped, you don't really know, or your first teamers don't really know, exactly what the small differences are they need to make for next week in order to win. If you send your first team down and they lose you know, a, li- a little bit, well, then they know what they need to do do extra. And if they win and they get the bonus point, well, either extra come up to the AJ Bell, in which case I think Sale become heavy favourites, or the return down to Sandy Park next week is going to be absolutely massive. It's going to be massive regardless. So I think the one thing they can't do is send a weakened team. And think about the extra point of view too. So all week they're going to be wondering what Sale are doing. Sale will be wondering what, Ex- what Exeter are doing. They lost Sam Simmons today. So do Exeter pick a weakened team themselves? Or do, knowing that they've pretty much got a home semi anyway, or do they go full out? Because then they've got the same problem. And we go full out and then a couple of lads get injured against Sale's second team. And then they've got to play again against Sale's first team. What do you do? Yeah. So I, I think it's, I don't, I don't think it'll quite be all or nothing as in strongest team or second team, I think they will have it, both teams will put very strong teams, um, but they might, if there's a few people with niggles, instead of like really pushing them to play this one, they will give those, so you might see a, say, 80 to 90% full strength team from both sides. I like, you'd take Faf and Cliff rather than Faf and Quirk, or that sort of thing. I'm I'm just thinking like if, I don't know, say uh, Connie Eustazen, who's been doing a lot of scrummaging, Say he's got a bit of a niggly shoulder, you might drop him, rest, give him a rest week this week, but you'll play the whole of the rest of your starting type five, yeah. for example. That kind of decision. Uh, I think Sale will go for this hammer and tongue. I, I, I think they will do. I, Tim, think, I think they'll go. What hard. would you do, Tim? I completely agree. I, w- I would absolutely go for it. You've got to remember, it's two, and if you're lucky, three games left. Yeah. That's yep. it. 100, yeah. 160 minutes. And this becomes like a, a two-test series. However, obviously, with the importance weighted very much onto the, <laughs> the second game. Uh, but, no, absolutely go for it. I really hope so. It's selfishly because I'm, I'm working this one. And How I, are you? I want, yeah, I want it to be really meaningful. I'm even more um, disappointed now. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you've, they've got to. And I think Sale will. I don't think they will. I think if they do send a weakened team... And this is why it disappointed me with Quinns. Bearing in mind, there is only a few games left. And in the week, you can just do minimal training. A lot of teams have been saying they've been doing minimal amount of training now and just focusing on the games. And yeah. I think the players are able The players are able to do that. Along a season as it has been, we have had breaks recently for Europe and, and things like that. And there have been weakened teams going out in other games. Can, so I really hope they do. And I would. Can you imagine the body blow to Exeter, though? Last home game of the season. I think they've had fans in one of their other games, haven't they? They've had one home game so far with fans. Yep. What a body blow. You're expecting your last home game of the season to be a, rousing win. Not only did you not win, 
it's actually uh, it actually is the last game of your season because you expect to have the home court, home semi next week. I mean, it would be absolutely brutal if they don't manage to get any bonus points and still lose against Sale. Yeah, it, it's it, need one point, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It it would be. Um, it's possible. I mean, the the flip side of that is imagine Sale strength, send their strongest team down there and lose by thirty points knowing that they've got to go and do the same thing again the following week and they've they've done everything they possibly can. Yeah. In a funny way that might that might you're the away team you've just been beaten handily in, in a way well all the pressure's off. It's yeah. just go go out go out swinging. Yeah, but no. it, there would be it would be a particularly miserable bus journey back from from Sandy Park which is a longer well, bus journey. Plane journey I hope. It could could be plane journey could be bus journey. I, I, uh, I tell you what that eventuality of 30 points against Sale will not happen. That will not happen. Do you think that is more or less likely than, than uh, Exeter getting nothing, losing and getting nothing out of it? Uh, I, I'd, I'd, put yeah. the two, I'd put the two as about as likely as one no, another. No, because you could win, couldn't you, with four tries, four tries to zero. I mean, I can see, I think the most likely outcome is Exeter winning, maybe, yeah. but by a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a lot less chance of Sale getting beaten by a lot rather than extra getting beat by a lot, ironically, because I think the sale defence is stingier than the extra defence, even mm. though I think the extra will probably shade it. And mm. if they don't, they're definitely getting a bonus point somewhere. Yeah. Um, extra's defence is stingier than sales defence. Statistically? Statistically. Yeah, but not mentally. Uh, not mentally. No, obviously not in your <laughs> mind. No, no, that, not that's in what, anyone's mind. That's, that's what counts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, yeah. uh, before we get into the actual games, can we talk about one moment in isolation, which I think has been the most talked about moment of the weekend? You know the one I'm talking about. My debut on BBC Radio Manchester? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not your debut commentating on BBC yeah, Radio. Yeah, as an cause expert. Because you've, you've, you've done a few... Actually, um, I've been on Radio Manchester yeah. a, 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 um, a few times. Yes. Was that the moment you were referring to, Tim? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. You were... Um, incredibly enthusiastic. Well, which, so, which was very good. It was very good to listen to. When I read that, it reminded me of the comments on the spoof Stuart Downing uh, DVD, which just said, unbelievable. <laughs> like, I don't know. The unbelievable season. <laughs> yeah. 36 uh, games, zero non- goals, zero assists. A very non committal compliment. It just said, you were very enthusiastic. <laughs> you were. <laughs> You're enthusiastic. Bubbled over. I know because it it gets it kind of got me um, kind of smiling thinking about it, thinking about you like um, exclaiming every time something uh, happened, something good or <laughs> good or bad happened. Uh, look, uh, someone asked me to talk about rugby whilst it's on. I couldn't think of anything I would rather more do. <laughs> yeah, so I sat there with with Liam Bradford of BBC Radio Manchester, and it was absolutely awesome. And you picked. Where, quite, where's quite the good... listen again? Uh, say I'm sorry. Where's the listen again? It's not up there. I've I've been trying to listen to myself because I'm an artist over and over again. I can't find it. So <laughs> they, 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 they mustn't do it. But here's the thing, Tim, right? And we'll talk about this later on. If Northampton would have won today, BBC Radio Manchester would have sent a commentary team, including myself, mm. down to Exeter to cover that game. But because it's unlikely that Sale will win the required, well, in the required way, then they're not going to do it. But we could have partied in Exeter. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I know. Outraged. Isn't it? Uh, you know, the, the other, the second most talked about rugby mm. moment of the weekend then. Yes. You must be talking about Pat Lamb. Yes. Yes. Because you could be talking, because to be fair, you could be talking about 
the greatest ever comeback statistically from by Wasps or that amazing game at, at the Gardens. Yeah, Exeter's comeback. Both were absolutely brilliant. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, they were brilliant. We'll definitely get onto that. But uh, JB, can I make a suggestion that we go straight away to our voice of reason, Phil, and get his thoughts first? Well, because I, 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 I mean, oh, go on. I would say that, but Phil's not watched any rugby. Like when we're in the gym, he leaves all the heavy lifting to me. So <laughs> he was literally just watching it as we uh, as, as we dialed in. Well, so I have I've listened earlier. So I, I saw it earlier. Um, I listened to Hugo and Lawrence Delalio's um, uh, opinion on it on BT Sport, and it's um, <laughs> it's not unexpected. Because there is so much at stake. Mm. Like this, this was um, Bristol trying to win a game that um, had they lost it, Exeter could go top. And uh, Bristol facing Bristol, basically trying to avoid Sale Sharks, is is the reality of this situation. Oh, yeah. So this is not just a this is not just a normal meaningless um, mid table game. Th- those points getting that the extra points for the win is enormous for for Bristol. Um, And so I understand um, Pat Lamb's kind of decision to to, um, tweak or adjust his stance on whether Jonathan was a tactical or injured substitution. Do you think he did tweak his stance? Well, he he changed his stance, didn't he? As As in he said it was... It was written down as tactical, and then he said he was injured. And then when he said, right, if he's injured, he's got to go to, th- to 13 men, he then said, oh, no, it's tactical. Uh, I disagree with you. I disagree with you. So this is how I see it panning out, okay? I see, and there's lots of blame for Pat Lamb, but the way I saw it is Tempest goes to the fourth official. The fourth official says it's tactical, which is then confirmed by the team manager. Pat Lamb comes down and says, no, 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 it's an injury. And when he says that, three simultaneous things happen, okay? Uh, number one, is Tempest informs Pat Lamb that now he's down to 13. Sorry, now he's down uh, a prop as well. He's got to lose an extra guy for uncontested. Also, John Othoa stands up. Also, they all, uh, Pat Lamb... Uh, sorry. Yeah, Pat Lamb goes off mic, but in addition to that, then you have Borthwick get, getting involved too. So actually, four things happen. Now, when Tempest says to Lamb, you have to lose another guy... The way Lamb handles it is, yeah, sure, no problem. And he turns around to John Othella and goes, no, no, John, you're not coming on. And then they go off mic. Now, at that point, I think John Othella has made the decision himself because Leicester Tigers got involved and started mouthing off. Not mouthing off, but they got involved. I think John Othella's just said, well, I'm, I'm going, which makes his director of rugby look a little bit silly. But it's still within Pat Lamb's power at this point to say to Tempest, no, no, get him back. He's injured. He can't go back, back, back on. But he doesn't. So he has to about turn, and that's why it almost looks like he has sent uh, a fella back on. And he goes, oh, no, he's fine to play now. He, uh, he's fine to play. But the fact he didn't react badly or surprised when Tempest said, you're going on to 13, he's like, yeah, fine, got it. And the way he said no to a fella leads me to think it must have been a fella's decision, and then Pat Lamb has to retrospectively react to that. That's interesting. So what's your take on that, um, the decision, Tim? Okay, I, I I agree with JB to to an extent. When I watched it, Pat Lamb's response to Ian Tempest saying, "Okay, so the the yellow card has caused uncontested scrums. You're telling me the guy's injured, therefore you need to lose another player." Pat Lamb does go, "Okay," and does nod. 
Um, I, I would also just rewind a bit and well, no, we'll sort of rewind slash fast forward. I just just think Pat Lamb's post match chat was quite uh, revealing. Mm. In as much as it sounded like, well, well it, it sounded to me like a man who knew he'd been caught with his hands in the cookie jar. That, I, yeah. Yeah. I would just, let's park that for one second because I've got much more damning stuff to say about the post match and something else that he said. But do you think that he did change his mind or do you think a thrower forced his hand? Well, ultimately, he's the director of rugby. So I agree with that too, he's, yeah. He's the guy in charge. If he'd have said no, you're not going on. John Foa doesn't go on. That's just how it is. He can't, John Foa can't go, can't be insubordinate and go on a, 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 against Pat Lamb's wishes. But he does look so, foolish though, doesn't he, when a Foa, so a Tempest asks a Foa again, and once a Foa's decided he's going to go on, you know, he's a 37-year-old man, all black uh, World Cup winner, knows his body inside out. If he says he's fine to play, <clears throat> you know, I, you can't really make the accusation you would in a concussion situation which is oh take the, take it out of the player's yes. hands you just can't yeah, but, but what, so he looks, what he's gonna look foolish what was the, what motive the important thing for me isn't let because i think that's letting pat lamb off the hook unnecessarily oh no no believe you me i i, I won't be doing uh, that no in 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 the sense that saying oh well john Foe has just said no i'm boss i can play i can play what made pat lamb say he's injured I'm... And it appears, and it appears to be that Pat Lamb decided. Oh, uh, he he had a bit of a knock. We had another player get injured. Carl Sinclair. We we didn't play him, and and uh, so I didn't want to play him for long. And he he he's been sat down for half an hour, and that's not grounds to decide someone's injured. No. So, I th- I think in that respect, what Pat Lamb is at fault for doing is, in the heat of the moment, and when it at a really pivotal point in the game, getting it completely wrong and it's Pat's it's Pat Lamb getting it totally wrong that has led to all this and Pat Lamb getting what Pat Lamb got wrong is he decided that that John Afoa was injured but he knew he wasn't and he wasn't he just decided he wasn't in a he decided for for good reasons and fair reasons that he, he wasn't fit to go on he wasn't ready to go on the pitch but that's Pat Lamb's error and yeah. um yeah and and it was and it was manipulating and, and twisting bending the rules to, to his advantage so from that point of view i agree with phil that you can understand it but all i would ask is this right pat lamb is, a, is an amazing guy that we all, we all love and he talks so honestly and openly and 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 really interesting and engaging guy what would the reaction have been universally had that been steve Diamond, Richard Cockrell, or someone like that. I That's actually exactly what think what Pat Lamb did. Right, okay. <clears throat> so JDB's probably not the person to ask yeah. about what, what <laughs> would you say if Steve Diamond had done it? Well, let's address two different let's let's address these things in turn, right? So the injury thing, I think it is completely coherent to say that this was not an injury, but in fact an injury prevention strategy. I think it's a not a tactical yeah. decision for the team because a tactical decision for the team would be to send him back out there. It's a strategic decision for the team thinking about the next game. That that that's what I think. And yes. I think yes, yeah, so it can be a tactical change yeah. to uh, minimize the risk of or prevent a further injury. And I think that yeah. a strategic change which might have side consequences for player welfare, if that is the case, you shouldn't be allowed or you shouldn't be bending the language to say, oh, this is a welfare issue and therefore it's an injury issue. And I think in rugby, we've gone so far down 
the arbitrary, oh, it's a welfare issue, therefore no one can question us, that is actually quite a, quite, quite a big problem. He's not injured. It's quite obvious that he's not injured. And Pat Lamb shouldn't have used that language in any way. At yeah. all. At all. And, and especially, got, yeah. especially when he went to the referee, if he goes on and gets injured, it's on you. And that is, I that. mean, he should be disciplined for this. I, I would bring him up on discipline. I'd bring in the game into disrepute. I mean, how far can you stretch that concept? What about if a ref gets a knock-on wrong and then someone gets a head injury? Is that the ref's fault? Yeah, I mean, th- that is ridiculous. Because uh, you'd extend it to, well, why, if you're worried about him being injured, why are you, oh, players being injured? Why are you playing rugby in the first place? How why, on- why are you putting them out on the field? Yeah, how about if a player gets uh, a slight knock, goes into the physio room and misses a tackle... Uh, technique uh, session where you're slightly adjusting things goes out for a game and then gets injured is that on the coach because you didn't then retrospectively install that skill no so to say that to Ian Tempest that's as bad as calling some, someone a cheat I think that deserves the highest most severe punishment I, I think that's absolutely horrendous so he can de- definitely get the book book through through an item for that as for Steve Diamond Richard Cockwell this is why people should at least at some point, act a little bit like a tyrant. Because if it's consistent, people don't mind if you're a tyrant and you're consistently a tyrant. What they hate is people that uh, talk about values and family and love and yada, 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 yada. Not, not everyone hates that. Oh, well, they, they do when they find out it's not, when it's not true. When it's not true. Yeah, that, this is what they hate, you know. If, if Pat Lambs wandered down, downstairs and went, yeah, we bought him off for welfare, but hey... You know, it's uh, for the integrity of the game. On you go, Johnny. Well, that's fine. Um, so, no, I I think I personally judge Pat Lamb far more harshly for this than I would Steve Diamond or Richard Cockrell because I believe that that's... It's consistent know, with their character. It's consistent with their character. I, I knew what I signed up for. But I, I'm... And I go back to the point I made at the start that... Um, because the incentives are so high right now, because of the, the position of the league, I don't, I don't, um, I don't like to see it. But I understand the rationale behind it. it yeah. If it, and that's that's more if it was the if it is the um, as I'm interpreted it, um, Pat Lamb changed his mind. Basically, he was trying to do say he was injured to get away with it to not have to have um, contested scrums, and then when he realised he was going down to thirteen met, so he was trying to game the system basically. Oh. Well, that's the, that's how it is. I think there is debate in that. I yeah. think potentially Pat Lamb was legitimately saying it was trying to protect um, the potential of having John Afoa in future games. I don't necessarily think he was trying to go uncontested. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, Le- Leicester were battering them at scrum yeah. time at, up until that point. There's not enough evidence, is there? Because they're off mic. So we don't know what was said. He might have been saying, Johnny, don't go. Johnny, don't go. And he's got to turn around and go, sorry, Ian. Yeah, he is fit to play. I got it wrong. Or he went, Johnny, you've got to go on, mate. You've yeah, got to go you've on. Got to go. Otherwise, we're going on to 13 men. And unless John Afoa tells me, or Pat Lamb tells me, I can't, I can't make a judgment on whether he changed his mind or he retrospectively changed. Oh, he did change his mind. Know, it, 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 retrospectively the, the, the question is why, the, I guess the question is, why did Pat Lamb say he's injured? And if it was to get away with uncontested scrum, when Leicester were on their line and had been battering them at scrum time, then that is that's and that, that that's moving it towards bloodgate territory. I'm not that, saying it's the same, but it's moving it to that, that, is, my, that kind is, of thing. That well, is definitely my interpretation of it. Yeah, because you're manipulating the. Um, it's not. It's because you're manipulating the welfare policies 
to get a, a, a potential advantage. Which which is exactly the same as Bloodgate but, in principle. Yeah, I, I agree. It is exactly the same, actually. Now, the reason I don't think that is the case is because having John Furrow on your bench for one scrum, you're not asking him to play a game rugby. You're asking him to do one closed skill, which he is absolutely superb at. He's brilliant at, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like, oh, he's really stiff off the bench. No, he's got to do one scrum. He's got to do one, <laughs> the All Black World Cup winner who can still play at the highest level at 37 has got to do one scrum. There's no better job for a 37-year-old tight head to do than one scrum. And I think we saw that as soon as he ke- uh, came on. was absolutely, you know, That scrum was absolutely fine. So Only it, only Pat Lamb knows the answer to that question. Yeah. Now, now, people will make up their own mind. It look, I could totally understand that it looks like he was trying to game the system. Yes. Deliberately. Now, we do, though, I think, have a bit of a window into the soul of Pat Lamb in two ways now. So number one is he strikes me as a man who is a lot more authoritarian than he lets on. A lot more. One of the <laughs> one of the telltales of this is when you haven't been told to um, f off for a little while by anyone in your immediate circle, and then <laughs> someone like Steve Borthwick tell, tells you you're a liar. <laughs> I know what's your? How dare you talk to me like that? I, I can't believe it. Like he had the look of someone who's up. He has not been told to f off for a long, long time. So when Steve Borthwick did that, he's like, uh, okay. And then the post-match chat, uh, like he stitched his story together like an absolute sociopath. I'm like, how do you spit? I mean, that's like arguing with your wife and she somehow stitches together a chain of events. And I thought, if I'm working for this bloke and I have a grievance and he can twist something so comprehensively, he blamed COVID, he blamed driving on their own. He's got a medical team, allegedly, who are so precise that they dictated that... Jonathan was good for 40 minutes. But not for, 41. 41? Are you joking? No chance. No way, I'm a medical professional. <laughs> he, he can't play 41 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, also, he's... Jonathan is nearly 40. That was the other one. Yeah, he's nearly 40 and his COVID about was, was one of... He's about to play a game of rugby. <laughs> I mean, and all of that for me is kind of... It's way on that he was trying to game the yeah. system. Oh, and Leicester Tigers also forced his hand and he's not happy about that. Well, be a man and don't let them force your hand. It, yeah, it's not it's it's not a good look. The whole thing is not a good look. Um, yeah. But it's quite an interesting talking point because we we've seen it in the past with obviously Bloodgate, um, the system being gamed in that way. And this is in my mind an, an element not not quite as bad, but there are definitely parallels with the principles. People want to talk about this in parallel with how Neil Back stole the game against Munster. Munster, yeah, because. You know, how dare these Leicester Tigers fans get so uh, uppity about all this? And the Neil Back incident was a superb incident of gamesmanship. It was world class. This has just been a little bit deceitful and getting caught. And getting caught. Yeah, it's it's great gamesmanship if you get away with it. It's misleading. It's not deceitful it's, because we don't know if he was being... No, but it was yeah. misleading. There's yes. no choice. He misled it, the officials. It was definitely misleading, if nothing else. I, I do think he was deliberately trying to game the system. But but it, 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 you're right. This kind of thing, like hands in the rook or um, various different little, little bits of streetwise yeah. art. Like Jonathan, like the, the dark arts of the front row, for example. They're amazing if you get away with it. Yeah. And it's part of the game if you get away with it. If you get caught, it's on you. Yeah, yeah. And when Jonathan comes on, I mean, I actually think it was a good scrum. 
But there are other people out there who think he might have angled in a bit. Mm. And there's other people out there who think that maybe Andy Uren took the ball out, ball out totally. the Totally. I was, I was going to say, it's interesting you mentioned Neil back because Andy Uren took the ball out of the scrum, I think. Well, I was looking at that again and I thought, do you know what? If I was an eight standing in the one channel, that to me looks out. Now, the eight can scoop it back in, but that's a 50-50 call mm. at best, at best, because it comes through the loose head, the loose head lock in terms of where the ball comes from, not in terms of their size or their, or their ability. <laughs> or does it? Yeah, it does. Of course it does. Um, how on, does as it? with all of these things, as with all yeah. of these things, we've said it many times before, uh, quite often when incidents happen at the very end of a game that influence the result one way or another, disproportionate weight gets put on yes. that particular moment. It's an 80-minute game and I'm, I'm not bothered about the outcome of the match because Bristol won it over the 80 minutes. It's, oh, it's yeah. purely... But and so Leicester fans saying they were robbed, they were cheated out of the win. No, no. Well, yeah, I mean it's, they still had a scrum against four, against seven men. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately now the fifty fifty one fifty fifty call is the actual scrum itself. Next fifty fifty call is Andy, Andy Uren to lose both of them. I do think the officials bottled that somewhat, but you know, deal with it. You're a professional rugby team. Yeah, and if you're winning um, before that point, it becomes immaterial. Yes, if quite. you control the remaining eighty minutes, it was game. awesome to watch, and the dust up after was awesome to watch. <laughs> and yeah, like, on that, just yeah. on that. Uh, so, do you remember? Was it who was it? Was it Harry Williams at Saracens last season? Yes, was when a, the, was he was off the field, off the field, and he came on and, and injected himself into a scuffle on the pitch. Yeah, and he got a ban for that as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, he got a ban for that. So let, let's that, that could that could be if the RFU were consistent there is an argument that that's the end of Nathan Hughes' season. Oh, because he wasn't on the field. He was wearing a, a bib, wasn't he? Mm. Correct. Do you know, I think that the RFU, their busybody snitches and everybody else should really just get into the spirit of what this game was, which was a fantastic tussle <laughs> right at the end, which everyone wanted to see. Like, the Veloster fans wanted to see it. Wigglesworth. Wigglesworth is ace. Like, oh, I loved it. 48-year-old Wigglesworth gets bumped <laughs> off by 45-year-old John Othoa and just takes him down. Takes him down like an absolute pro and then it all hell breaks loose. Come on. You know, I, if there's... We want to see this. I don't care what I anybody do. says. I want to see it. I loved every second of this game. And the reason it happened is because the tension and the pressure towards the end was just so great. And then John Othoa just bumped him off. Awesome. It, it was quality. Um, so I didn't watch the whole game. I've just seen, seen this bit. One thing that I saw was um, early on in the game, George Martin put in a mega hit on Nathan Hughes. Yeah. Absolutely nailed him. Nathan Hughes, to me, strikes me as a great weapon and a potential weakness all in one. For a guy who gets over the game line, he isn't particularly scary. And he's not particularly... What's the word for it? I guess he's just not particularly hard. He doesn't intimidate people with his ball carrying like... Certain other people do. Certain um, other number eights. Yeah, yeah. he's very well, good, no, but I don't know like what it is. He, just doesn't have the extra bit of steel. He's not doing it in the way that he used to because he did used to do that for Wasps. Yeah, and I, I think he actually he did it when he first came to Bristol. I think they they really got the most out of him initially, but perhaps not at the moment. Now, it might be just that he's carrying a, a knock. He's trying to get to the end of the season um, with a few niggles, but yeah, I could I can see more he, recently. He plays well, and he was playing well. But I don't think George Martin... Maybe George Martin is just an absolute nutter. Maybe, I mean, that's, maybe, that's, maybe it, that's what he is. It was a hell of... I mean, George Martin, particularly for a... What is it, 19 or 20? Yeah. He's like best part of 19, stone six foot five. He is a, a big boy. I just don't even think... I don't know. There's something about very big, broad men, like 
Nathan Hughes and the way he runs up upright, which almost invites you to hit them. Yeah. And because they're not as dense, say, as a Dupree or a Visa or someone like that, or an Albert Tuasui, like, yeah. you'd... They're hard. They're easier to hit. They're sort of more comfortable to hit. Yeah, it's a hard it's, thing to explain. It's the upright stance. It's the like when you see uh, uh, one of the best ones of all time at doing it is Louis Pickamoles. Yeah, when he goes, when he's ball carrying, and when he goes into contact, his body position is so low because he's got that low center of gravity, and he accelerates for that that final that final meter into contact. That's where his acceleration happens, and he like kind of like a coiled spring. Bumps the defenders off. God, you don't quite get that with uh, with Nathan, or not the moment. Yeah. He's, he's, I, I don't know what the technical term is. I'm sure there's not a stat to measure this. He's very hittable. <laughs> he's very hittable. But the whole Bristol well, side, rather for you than me, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the whole Bristol side were very well contained by uh, by, by, uh, by by Leicester, and Leicester. Well, I say well contained. They did score more tries than Leicester. However. Leicester managed to stay in this game, and I thought it was a really nice contrast between what Bristol were trying to do, where the Bristol defence failed and let Leicester back in, and then the way that Leicester stuck in the game through traditional Leicester values, and that rest of all things, kicking for sticks, just trying to accumulate Mm. points, scoreboard pressure. And it was a a relatively stronger Bristol team than Leicester team as well, wasn't it? It's, It's Bristol not quite at full strength. But Leicester, definitely not at full strength. No George uh, oh, Ford? Yeah, no George Ford, no no Nomani Nadolo, um, no uh, Visa. I believe Nomani Nadolo was out as a actual selection issue. And Visa was there. Was he not? No, Liebenberg played eight. It was Martin, Liebenberg and Rafael. Did Visa come off the bench? I seem to think he did. Uh, he did, yes. Ah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah I, so the same with Nadolo. Yeah, I think that all of those were genuine selection uh, wins and losses. I, I don't think that they were weakening their team because it's the last home game of the year and I know George Ford was just not quite fit enough. It wasn't that oh, so was, Other than George Ford. Other think? than George Ford, everyone was a selection um, in or out based on merit. I'm, I'm not sure on the on the visa thing. Or the, or the Nadolo. Yeah, well, but, Nadolo made hell of an impact. Yeah, he did. But yeah, it's so... It's, it's probably... I know it's not a win for Leicester... But again, it's probably good signs for them for the the coming season that they are building in the right direction. Oh, I think next year they're going to be, I think they're going to be a top four team. Mm. Oh, well, are they? Because Saracens are back. So you got the Saracen, Saracens makes it more difficult. Well, are Saracens going to be back? Ealing. Yeah, well, Ealing could be back. Ealing could yeah, be let's a top not, four team. Let, let's not be disrespectful to Ealing. It could well be them. Yeah. Well, you got the current top four, and if Ealing beats Saracens. Presumably Ealing will be <laughs> pushing for top four. Any team that could beat Saracens. <laughs> yeah, over two legs. Ealing will be, pushing, Ealing will be pu- uh, pushing for the championship. And then Leicester Tigers, a reinvigorated Leicester Tigers. And who knows, a diamond-inspired bath. Who knows who, uh, who gets top four? Who knows, indeed. Um, Northampton put in quite a nice performance as well. Oh, oh. Uh, for um, definitely the first 40 minutes. But even even after that, even after the extra comeback started, Northampton was still playing some nice stuff. Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, obviously, I wanted the um, Saints to win. Obviously. Because I get then to hang out with Tim in Sunday Park, <laughs> whereas I'm not now, which is annoying. And also, they have to dust off the AJ Bell again. One more time. Yeah. But, well, depending on if they'll win down at Sunday Park, which, they, it's, you know, who it's, knows? Who it's knows? possible. It's the possible. game itself was the highest quality. Yeah, it's an awesome game. This, this is the one game that I, I 
um, properly got to watch all of it. Um, it. It was quality. And and the way that Northampton... So obviously they scored the early try through Hutchinson, then Ribbons gets his red card, and then you just think, right, I, I was expecting an Exeter to win. Exeter are definitely going to win this. But then Northampton just rallied and were playing some brilliant stuff with 14 men. It's hard to... Okay, so does Ribbons' red card tell you something about Ribbons, which is they don't rely on him too much in their attacking pattern? <laughs> that would be that would be my first takeaway. Uh, second takeaway is they obviously looked at this game and thought, well, we're not going to play a game to uh, beat Exeter or to counter Exeter. We're just going to play our game. Yeah. Whatever it is that we're good at, we're just going to do that. And they were brilliant uh, going forward. I think what they did even better was defend and the way that they turned over the ball in critical areas was just magnificent. The turnovers were huge because they did it multiple times and Ludlam got a couple but um, other guys were getting them as well like Hutchinson Laws Laws Laws, of of course Laws looked like a British and Irish lion Courtney Laws looked like a starting British and Irish lion what a game that's to Dan Bigger yeah, mm. I mean they just were brilliant. Now the interesting thing, and this is picked up by Comms, um, Ben Kay pointed it out, and he's absolutely right. I think it's Ben Kay at least. Which is why did they why did they back off the ruck? And that of course created the quick ball for Exeter. They started kicking away more ball. Northampton are a possession team. They're very much like, believe it or not, the Hurricanes. They need pre- <laughs> they need possession to score. It's high intensity. I actually thought that Northampton would lose this when they were 18... No, 18 nil down. Uh, 18 nil up. No, less than that. Uh, 12 nil up. You thought they'd lose it? Yeah, at that point I thought they'd missed what? two easy attempts at um, easy chances for tries. The Proctor one and there's another one which they missed. And at that point I thought, they're just not going to score enough points here. It's well, just not, not good enough. Even at 18 nil at <clears throat> half-time, I actually went to... to um, put a bet on for Exeter to win but Exeter, Exeter was still odds on favourite were they really? Uh, half, really? half time 18 nil down wow. Exeter were still um, they were about 1.6 or 1.7 at that point so we're like what? so we uh, put a tenner on and get 7 quid um, margin so I was like oh, I'm, I'm not bothering yeah <laughs> I wouldn't bother there's no point I did consider doing that but I thought I really want to go to Sunday Park so much that there is I don't want any I don't want any consolation, really. <laughs> you don't want to. It's quite a nice way to like to want something, but to kind of temper it. No, temper no. your wants. You have already identified the area that, if I was Sale, I'd be licking my lips at. What's the one thing Sale bring with a couple of curries and more? Is breakdown threat. Aka van der Merwe yeah, as Acker well. As and well. Exeter have got to solve that problem big time. Sale are the only team in the league who can out physical Exeter, and I'm guessing they will do that. I really do think that they'll do Yeah, that. they'll do everything, but you're exactly right, Tim, that the breakdown, is, is you've, they've got to, because Northampton got so much um, benefit from that. They, they got so much good quality ball from just disrupting uh, Exeter's breakdown. Yeah, I, Ludlam was class. Yeah, wasn't he? He the, was. The violence he brings in the carry. And yeah. basically everything he does is violent. <laughs> on the pitch. Yes, uh, Just the way... Like, Do you know what he reminds me of when he's on the floor? Do you know when you see rugby league players trying to get up? The the wriggle. Yeah, the wriggle, the wriggle. like the yeah. irresistible wriggle. He just wants to get <laughs> up and play again. Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, not a, I said it about Leicester, but not a win for Northampton. A very good performance that they'll, they'll take a lot out of and they can use to build for next season. 
the bit that's frustrating for Northampton is you can contrast that performance to their Newcastle performance or their Gloucester performance in the last few weeks where mm. they if they'd have won those two games they'd still be pushing for top four they'd be going yeah. they'd be going into the final game still with it with not just a, they, if they win those two they're, they're one point behind Quinns if everything else stayed the same um so they they've got to be frustrated at that and next season they've got the talent it's just getting the consistency yeah and they're also bringing in a lot of lads who are brilliant but are also very young so Tom James is one I mean, I don't know how I don't know how young he is, but he's certainly new to the whole thing. Yeah, and he, he I mean, they've got three good young. I, I assume that I assume they're English, but three good young English scrum halves um, in, in Mitchell, Mitchell um, Taylor, Taylor, and James. Yeah, so Taylor was was the boy, and he was backed up. Sorry, Mitchell, Mitchell was the Mitchell boy, was the backed boy. up by Taylor. Yeah, and then James has overtaken them both because Mitchell got into a few England camps. Yeah, he's as well. He's, he's class. Yeah. And then on the other on the wing you've got Slightholm. Slightholm who's rapid. He's awesome. But we forget like last... Free, Freeman's class as well. Yeah, but last year we were talking about a different crop of young lads. We were talking about Dingwall, um Hutchinson, Hutchinson and the other one. Fur, Furbank. Furbank. Furbank, yeah. Not to mention um Malinder, who's not who's not that young anymore. And Grayson. And Grayson. Grayson. Yeah. So they are doing this with a load of home. Uh, Homegrown talent, not massive names. I know we said last year their young talent would get better, <laughs> but then they had new young talent. So this young talent will also get better. Got Hutchinson get... looked class well, as well. This is probably a good time. Probably a good time. Bearing in mind, Eddie Jones's England squad slash squads will get selected on Thursday. What? Just pick a, a, a couple of names, two or three names that maybe you're most hopeful that you see appear in Eddie Jones's squad. So I'd, I'd like to see. Um, full, so fullback is a bit of a a, a weakness. Um, I think Max Max Mullins will get some good time there potentially, mm-hmm. but I'd like to see one or both of uh, Freeman and Stewart. Yeah, because I, I think they're Agreed. both. Um, F- Stewart, I've seen more at fullback. Freeman can play um, fullback or on the wing. I think they're just they're just both quality players. Yes, yeah, Stewart would be high up there for me. Um, I would also look, unsurprisingly, at someone like Bevan Rod. I think Bevan Rod is the future of pretty he's, much everything. He's a uh, he's not announced in the Scotland t- squad that got announced this week because he's English. He he can play. For, he's he could play for Scotland. He played for Scott. He played for. He was born in Scotland. Played for England under twenties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one who I was going to say has just escaped me. So I, I was going to say, JB, when has when has someone's nationality been any factor in what country they play for for you? Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> well, because I know this because he's well, there have been inquiries about Bevan Rod yeah. to play for Scotland, and he said no. In the same way, there has been inquiries for you and Ashman to play for England. He went no, no. Hmm. So that oh, um, uh, Mo- <laughs> Kelly for. Tigers, I'd Dan like Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly, yeah, I I need to see a bit more of him. I think he's defensively he's great. I want to see a bit more in, in his attack. And also my um, my new obsession now, Max Ajomo. One, <laughs> I think I think one game's enough to what, be called up to England. Is it not more than enough? More than more enough. Than I don't enough. need to see any more. Um, I would uh, I would also add to to that the 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 back because I've, I've been mostly talking about back three, but the um, any of the back three for um, London Irish. In, oh, in Parton, yep. Loader, Parton, or Ollie Hassel Collins. I, I really like all three of them. Yeah, I like all three of them. Uh, Ollie, too. Ollie Hassel Collins 
definitely for me. I'd like to see Adam Radwan as well. I think yep. he is class. That's another one, isn't there? Yeah. Really exciting finisher. And um and more obviously, but I think solves a big need for England when you're looking towards a World Cup. And I don't think he's had enough time on the field. I'm less concerned with the the Saxons or well a team, whatever. I'm less concerned about that actually. Um, but in the England squad, I don't want to see loads of youngsters. I want to see the best players available. Mm-hmm. So obviously Don Brandt Smith and etc. But I want to see yeah. Oli Devoto. I want to see Oli Devoto. Yeah, it's not a great way to think about it. But maybe the ship has sailed there, which is a real shame. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. He's been. He's one of I those. Think he's had a great season. Agreed. He, he has. He's a great player. Yeah. And he's he's one of those players that you might be right on the ship saying because he's one of those players who has been into a few England camps and Eddie Jones sees what Eddie Jones sees in people and some people pass the test and some people do not pass the test. I wonder if Tavoto, in the same way as um, Don Brandt actually, I wonder if, and like um, Big Luth and uh, Tamana Harrison and, and others, uh, Nick Ezekwe for example. What about Ben Curry? Ben Curry should definitely be definitely. there. Definitely. But Definitely. like, there's obviously something going. It has to be an Eddie Jones mind game. In this it has to be, <laughs> and I don't even think it's aimed at Ben Curry. Evilly enough, I think it's aimed at Tom Curry or Ludlum or, or someone. Um, I I think Ben Curry. I think he will be in there. Um, I think I think there's obviously like Marcus Smith has to be Marcus Smith. I'm I'm very confident will be in there. Uh, I've I've said it for some time. Even if there wasn't a Lions tour, I think uh, Marcus Smith would be in the next England England squad. Yep. Uh, and num- number eight, a fullback, you identified one position. And Eddie Jones has even said he's looking at back three players. So I think we yep. will see Ollie Hassel Collins, for example, and Freddie Stewart, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but um, number eight, I think, in terms, Eddie Jones has played players at number eight that aren't number eight. But I think there's no substitute ultimately at the highest level for the unique skill set of a, of an out-and-out number eight, the ball playing, the reading of the game, the ball carrying. And I think England have a, a, an issue with depth there if you're discounting guys like Nathan Hughes for whatever reason. So mm. we, Dom, Dom Brandt, yes, obviously, should yep. be next cab off the rank. Sam Simmons as well when he gets back from the Lions. Uh, and then it starts to look a lot better. But... Um, Tom Willis had an incredible game for Wasps at the weekend, and you've got yep. Callum Chick playing really well for Newcastle. And there was one more that was that I had in my head as well. Um, I can't remember. Ted Hill. Ted, Ted Hill is a, a very good player. Here's a, here's a question, um, which JB or one of you might know the answer to. Alfie Barbary, when is he likely to be back fit? I thought he was nearly back. That was my understanding. I think, I think he is close. Yeah, because I, I just... I know he's had a, a uh, couple yeah. of bad in- injuries this year, but he's just such a talented player. He's the he's the kind of guy who he, he make him at twenty makes a thirty year old tackling a twenty year old look like twenty year old tackling a thirty year old. Yeah, he 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 like flips the age round. He he look his kid strength. It looks like man strength. So I think he is a rich man's Cam Neild. <laughs> allegedly he plays hooker at some point he might be able to play hooker but they put him in the back row he can't really jump but don't tell anyone <laughs> yeah he's definitely not a jumping back row <laughs> no so um, that was one of the best things about the weekend which was Cam, Cam Neal was playing and he got one of the match and he was awesome 
Mm. But when you've got a non-jumping back row, it's very easy to tell and sound like Nostradamus about what the <laughs> lineup's going to do because the non-jumping back row is your key to everything which happens. Yeah. So you're never going to put him in the... You're never going to put him into the line-out. So you can pretty confidently say, oh, looks in this situation, I think Sale are going to go into a 6 plus 1 because they're never going to go... To, <laughs> why would you go, go, go into a full line-out? It makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, if he's standing in a 6 plus 1, it's going to be a drive. So you say, oh, it looks like they're going to drive. And invariably they do. And he's not a great passer, so they're going to drive. And if he's yeah. not there, they're going to pass. It's yeah. dead easy. Why Harlequins <laughs> didn't know this? It's beyond me. <laughs> so you sounded amazing... Um, Predicting that on on in comms on BBC Radio. Well, more more amazing, even yeah, yeah. more amazing. additionally amazing. Yeah, now, I have I have seen. I don't know how frequently they've done it. Saracens used to occasionally lift Billy Vodopola. Yes, yes, I've because, seen that because the back because no one thinks he's going to be jumping. No one thinks he's going to be getting lifted. It's a great strategy. Therefore, every once in a while, lift him. Yeah. And if you've got strong enough blokes, you can well, you can lift anyone. Well, they had a skeleton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, non-jumping second row and a non-jumping back row. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell a lot about... It's actually, joking aside, it is actually a weakness of having a non-jumping back row, mm. which is, particularly at international level, I mean, they were playing Harlequins, you know, B team or whatever that, you know, whatever showed up. <laughs> Harlequins and amateurs. The, yeah, they didn't, they didn't pick it up. I bet Lou Diego would pick it up. Mm. Uh, I, I bet uh, Mario Otoji would pick it up pretty pretty rapidly. Yeah, and if, if for example... Uh, Borthwick at Leicester is coaching. Yeah. Borthwick might spot something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So just just as we go in, um, just as we were going around the news, we were talking. Uh, Eddie Jones will name his England squads on Thursday. Um, uh, what was that? What else was I? God, there was something else. Oh yeah. Um, one thing that was going to be happening uh, in a week or less than a week, a week on Friday, it, or less than two weeks, a week on Friday was going to be a vote. No, hold on. It was going to be happening one week on... Sorry. Let me start again. One (laughs) thing that was going to be happening this coming Friday, I'm getting my dates all mixed up, is the RFU Council meeting. It is the AGM for the RFU. However, curiously, they seem to have removed voting on ring fencing from that agenda, and they're going to do it later in the month. Rumour being they're going to do it in the afternoon on the day before the Lions play and the Premiership final happens, which... Would if that happens, I mean, it's it, there'd be an amazing lack of interest in whatever the vote is uh, next to those two huge events. Um, I'm sure the RFU wouldn't want to bury, bury <laughs> potentially controversial news, would they? Who is the Tony Blair, Minister of Transport, who did this? Good times, very bad news. Bad news. And yeah. they're privatising British Rail. Who the hell? Will, I want to say buyers. Transport. Mm. So it might be nine eleven. Joe Joe Moore. Now there is, so there is the cynical side of that. Um, it, it it also um, is now after we will know who is being promoted. Um, yes. So it's after. So exactly. it might just it might just be there ah. might be a simplicity logistics like totally. Um, they can't get the to- gang back together. Totally straightforward meaning, or there might be well, let's wait and see who gets well, promoted, and then is, we might change things. It's a council meeting, right? Uh, RFU council is that right, Sam? Correct. Now, I don't know if you know much about the council, but if they do this council meeting after the 21st of whatever it is, they can then get together in one of their customary big functions. They're going to have enormous expense accounts uh, to get through. And if I'm not mistaken, they've had to do everything over Zoom so far. 
Absolutely. So, in my mind, kill two birds with both stone. Uh, sorry, kill two birds <laughs> with one stone. Kick this into the long grass until they can get their massive uh, expense accounts mobilized. Yeah. After the twenty first of June. Perfect. Why? Why? I don't. Well, see I, what... I'm just going to say. I, th- I think you might be onto something there, JB. I'm sure there's several uh, factors at play here, but I I suspect and I think that the fact they've moved it from this coming Friday to the date that they appear to have moved it to uh, just points to the fact they've all, that they've long ago made up their mind and uh, they're going to they're going to come to the answer that they want, uh, whatever the rugby public think and. Um, uh, but it isn't too late. You can, you can, it, don't moan about it after it happens if you haven't gone to the trouble of finding out who your local RFU councillor is. And most counties have one, a few counties they have, have two, two. don't they? Do they all have two? No. The, the larger counties have, some of the larger counties have two, most have one. And if it's easy enough to find out who it is, don't moan about it after it happens. If you, if you feel strongly about it, Get in touch with that person now. Not to put you on the spot, Tim. Who are Lancashire's? Uh, I, I I don't know the names. I've I have looked it up. One I, is at they, Liverpool they, West Park. Yeah, aren't they? yeah, their emails are both available online via the Lancashire RFU website. And yeah. um, I've got and a feeling I've, it's either I've, Liverpool St Helens have one or Liverpool West Park have one, and I don't know where the second one is. Well, they're changing it at the minute because one of I've looked into this. One of Lancashire's is going on to the is stepping up a level. Some RFU there's a level above, and they're being replaced. There's a level above council. Mm. Something I think so, Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine that. Anyway, oh. I, I, I'm a little bit dis- I'm a little bit despondent at the way it's being done. I'm not remotely surprised, and uh, just just I uh, just on this. Just to ally to this, the, the the championship clubs have finally found out what their funding will be from the RFU for next season. And uh, two seasons ago, or no, no, last season, that amount of money was £645,000. Mm-hmm. Next season, it will be £160,000. Why should it be anything? Well, that's actually less money than many grassroots clubs get. But that, that's exactly right. That's exactly how it should be. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, well, how much money should Premiership clubs get from the RFU? Nothing. They get millions and millions how much? of pounds. They get millions how much and, and millions what? of pounds. Yeah but, yeah, but that's an exchange of services. It's not the same, no. not the same thing. Well, well, how much? I don't, I don't know the exact amounts, but they get millions. Yeah, but you, you've got to tell me how much. So... You know, no, hold on. I don't need to tell you how much to identify a principle. And your okay. principle is that championship clubs so shouldn't the only, get any money. The only they get money. less. They get less than some grassroots clubs yeah. have got. So the reason that um, the Premiership clubs... and, and you're saying that's wrong, but then you say Premiership. So, the, so oh yeah, no, tell but, me exactly how much. Otherwise, we can't have a discussion. All right. So the Premiership gets money for players that go to England. Okay, that is in uh, in terms of the credits, and then also. The England players get money as well, which I kind of see as a tangential payment to the clubs because it allows the clubs to keep the English players in England. So, you know, there is a obvious exchange of services there that they're providing something which the club own, the player, to the to the union. But there's not like a, a grant. And the other thing, of course, is the academies. But I don't really see that as much of a much of a big deal either. So, oh, really? No, not how, how much? Well, how much do the? How, how, much? How, did, how can the academies not be of unbelievable financial, logistical, 
benefit I would rather, to the clubs. I would rather, and this is not just my view, this is a view of people who probably run clubs, I would suggest. I'd rather not have the money and not sign up to the Premiership Academy programme than take the money and sign up to the Premiership Academy programme. Do you think that Ealing would want to be a Premiership Academy? Uh, probably. Probably not. And I'll tell you why, because Ealing are in the middle of all of these other uh, other territories, but they're not an academy. So they can forgo the amount of money which the RFU are paying and go and get all of the best kids. Whereas if I am a, a club like Sale Sharks, I've got to be very careful not to stray into Newcastle's territory, and, I've, and Newcastle's got to be very careful not to stray into other territory. And down, down in London, if I could give that money back, or if I was Leicester Tigers, if I could give that money back, get rid of my academy and go scouting, I would do that in a heartbeat because these kids are so valuable. So what you have is the RFU paying these clubs just to stay in line. Well, Otherwise, hold it's on, not hold on. You've, you've, you've inadvertently sort of summed up one of my points in, in talking about it. There are these arbitrary ter- territories which have been drawn yeah. uh, from which players are gathered. Yeah. Which, from which all those players are gathered. So in Cumbria... Um, or in North, yeah, Norfolk's a great example, and Cumbria is a great example, and Liverpool's a great example. Uh-huh. Players from nowhere near Newcastle Falcons, Sale Sharks, Leicester Tigers, automatically have to become Sale Sharks, Newcastle Falcons, Leicester Tigers at the expense of the grassroots clubs, the local potential championship clubs who have produced these players in the first place. Well, there is a small problem with that, I'll grant you it. I'll give you an example. Simon McIntyre played for Broughton Park, mm-hmm. never played a single game for Broughton Park. Like, played for the kids, but never yeah, played yeah. a single game. And that's a shame, right? Yeah. Because he's always been a sales shock, come what may. Mind you, it, it's not far away. But the DPPs, I think there's seven for sales shocks. So it's not like they're all coming into sales shocks. They go to the DPP centre, which might be in, like, I don't know, Penrith or... Sandbach or wherever it is and I'll stay at Sandbach but if you're really really good you will then get picked up and then you will go to um, you know like Rafi Quek actually plays first team he shouldn't be playing for Quirk. Quirk he shouldn't be playing <laughs> for Broughton Park right now should he I don't think that is Bro- I don't think that is no, sale that, stealing from Broughton that, Park that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying just before we go how much do you reckon the RFU pay the Premiership Clubs for these academies I, I, I don't know. I, I'm coming at this from, from a principal point of view, not so, not, a few hundred, not a specifics. A few hundred K a year. That, okay, so the base level is 70K. That's all they get, 70K. There's a load of tick boxes they've got to do, and it can go up to about 150K, roughly. So if you have DPPs and yada, 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 yada. But if you look at what the premiership clubs have to provide for the academy, they've got to have an academy manager, they've got to have coaches have got to have a physio they've got to have an snc when you add up all of these people and then all of the dpp areas and whatnot it costs the premiership club something like 200 uh, 250,000 upwards just to run these things now the interesting thing about it is there are clubs out there who decided they don't want to be part of the academy program for the reasons i mentioned because they just want to go and get the players because because uh, one anecdotal example is that uh, doncaster are absolutely gagging to have the yorkshire RFU Academy. I'm sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, why are you because, sure? You said it. You know, this... So if you have an academy, which Doncaster have an academy, not an RFU academy, but an academy, then it would make sense that if they can pick up the extra 70K, but they've already got, say, an academy coach, an S&C guy, yada, yada, yada. And... Well, I thought it wouldn't make sense for Ealing. 
it wouldn't make sense for Ealing because they're in the middle of Harlequins, London Irish, um, Saracens. There's not enough space around there to go around. But Doncaster, who would they be competing with? Because Leeds, Carnegie have disappeared. Actually, that is an area where they could actually get the extra 70k and they could increase the revenue further if they've already got the structures in and they can get the and then they can get it feel, the feels a little bit like your arguments but, sort of you're arguing against yourself no, a little no. bit. the rfu's job is not to limit the risk of wealthy individuals who own premiership clubs the, and that is what the rfu are doing at the moment and that's what it looks like the rfu council i don't think the rfu have any business in, in professional rugby whatsoever I mean, I really don't think they have any business selling the, the premiership, what they should do at all. So I kind of agree with you. I don't think they have any business limiting the risk, but I don't think they have any business increasing the risk. So you know, it's... That is what they're doing. That is what they're doing. Though. Yeah, only because they've got this residual role. They shouldn't even have they, the role. They are, okay, what they're doing is that they're, they are sl- they have, have been slowly killing the championship and then going, oh, the championship's not competitive enough. Well, again, like France, you make the whole product across the board stronger so that it's a brilliant televised product that, that brings in money, sponsorship, uh, TV deals, uh, means the league below, it isn't such a massive drop to drop down from premiership to championship. There's still TV money when you do drop down. You're still playing against great clubs when you do drop down and it cascades downwards, which is exactly what's happened in France, which I've talked about loads of times and I don't need to go into again. If you didn't make it so it was so heavily stacked against championship clubs and the odds the odds of doing an Exeter were so remote, not because it's not possible, but because the rules are working against you from every angle, then you... But I don't know what the rules are. What, what? Then, you, then you would see profe- like everyone professional in the championship. But, it's not the academies. I think we've established that. Well, no, no, it is. That's one of them. Well, it's not because you're in a better situation, I think, as an <laughs> academy, not to have one. Makes sense for Doncaster because if they've got all the structures in, in place, they want to pick up an extra 150k to subsidise their already existing academy operation, then that makes sense for them. Bearing in mind their geography, bearing in mind there is a yeah, I... huge base, that makes sense. If you are Leicester Tigers or Northampton Saints then you would say, have you have your 70k back, have your money back for your for the third choice winger, and I will just go out and scout whoever I want. I'm already paying half a million quid on Academy Stars. I don't like the patch that you've given me. I'm going to go and raid all the private schools in Hertfordshire or wherever it may be. You, you're, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to get too deep into this. Well, so you're, just, you're picking the numbers. You're saying an Academy is worth 70k. That's absolutely No, it's bollocks. worth 150k. Maximum. 150k even. Maximum. That's bollocks, mate. Well, how much is it worth then? The, the credits for every player for no, years no, no. and years and no, years. No. The, the credits allow you to spend more of your own money. They, they don't give you the money for the players. They just allow you to spend more of your own. I, I think, I, I genuinely think there is scope for a separate pod on this. But to, we're probably not going to do it justice right now. No. Um, to do it any further. Is there any other news to cover from the week? Because we've got a, f- a couple of other Sink, games. Sinclair in for Porter, did I say that? Yes, that's that's quite big news. Well, first of all, what's happened to Porter? Uh, he's got injured. He's injured. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what the injury is, but he, he is out injured. Hmm. Well, I guess Sinclair was very close to making it in the, in, in, in the first place. Ob- obvious choice. I wonder if he battles into the test team now. Potentially, yeah. It's... it's I, I well, I would have him down as the um, my kind of second choice behind Ty Furlong in the squad even before this. So 
it would not surprise me at all for him to to get uh, probably the spot on the bench um, for the test team. Mm. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, that was announced. The Springboks have announced their squad as well. Mm-hmm. Which is the Sail Sharks squad. <laughs> A few, few Sharks. Um, Jasper Visa's in there as well. Now, here is what I don't get about this Springboks team. Is this the actual Springboks team? As in, would this be the Springboks team if everything was back up and running like normal in South African rugby? Or is this weighted towards the English-based players because they will have more competitive rugby under their belts than otherwise would be? I'd suggest not because look at... Uh, well, Franz, look that way. Franz Stein and Mornay Stein. Amazing, isn't it? Are, are both in for a, a second crack. Amazing. Um, at the Lions, second crack. It is only the, the preliminary squad, so there's a lot of names at this point. I had to it's actually worth, read that again saying. when I say uh, when I saw Mornay Stein. Yeah, he was talked up because he's been playing well for the for the Blues. Um, blues, uh, Blue Bulls. Sorry, oh, right. Oh, I was blues. Say, wow, but, <laughs> Blue Bulls. Um, Franz Stein's in Italy, isn't he? Oh, sorry, Italy, Japan. Sorry, no. Franz Stein is at the Cheetahs now with my boy uh, Ruan Pinar. Oh yes, of course. It's no, Pinar. Um, anyway, have you seen? They're, they're the Sadly Toyota not. Cheetahs. That's what threw me. <laughs> no, yeah, um, that's where Franstein is. But yeah, remarkable for for those two because um, I, I don't know Monestein. Um, can we we know Franstein has been playing more recently? But uh... selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, indeed, he was in the World Cup squad, but, but Mornestein uh, seems like a different era. Of- Gives me nightmares thinking of Mornestein smashing over that goal from, um, that penalty, sorry, after... Roger. Ronan O'Gara ruins it for everybody by in the second test uh, 2009. hitting Jack Ferry in the wrong way, or no, getting run over by Jack Ferry and then giving away the penalty. Also, yeah. that 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 one incident, I think, was massively influential on the next. Well, like maybe ten, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe next ten years of rugby in terms of the how miserable everyone was. Well, yeah, how miserable, <laughs> but also the pragmatic. High kicks, chase. That, that after well, that series and that incident was a big part of that. I think that South African team and that moment. Do you know what I always think that's linked to? 
The South African, no, the French lost to Argentina in the opening of their home World Cup. 2007. Uh, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I always think of. Yeah. I remember yeah. That, that was a lot of kicking from Argentina. It was awesome that to watch. Was. Like, that's what I love, love about rugby. Like, nobody saw that coming. No one would say that that is a positive tactic, but it is absolutely amazing to watch someone unpick someone like France in their home World Cup by literally just putting up high, uh, high balls over and over again. It's an amazing story when it's an underdog doing it. I don't know. The, yeah, yeah, if your blacks did if, it. If, if, yeah. If, <laughs> it to becomes, Tonga. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes a slightly different story. Yeah. And uh, some... some uh, podcast host slash journalist selected the great um, Hernandez from that Argentina team you mentioned, JB, as the greatest fly half of all time. Still baffles me that. In- incredible selection. In- <laughs> enthusiastic selection. A very, very enthusiastic. enthusiastic. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Unbelievable selection. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the sale lads, I want to just talk about them for, for a second. Yeah. Because- Were they celebrating their win with a Big party in uh, student halls. Student halls <laughs> this week. No, and they never would do that and never have done that. Um, and what I love about this story, outside of Lou Diego, not any, I don't think any of them came as established as established Springboks. So I think it paints Sale in a really good light because the Dupree's had Springbok caps. Even Rob Dupree's got a Springbok cap, enthusiastically. Yeah, yeah very enthusiastically. Yeah. Um, Ro- Rowan hadn't been around the Springbok camp. For a long time, although he was a Springbok, obviously Faf was a Springbok, but hadn't but been. Was, he'd fallen to second choice for the Lions. Yeah, at so, one point. So they've all come to sale, and just through hard work and graft, they've now made it into Springbok squad. It's an incredible story, not an incredible start to next season, but it's an incredible story <laughs> n- n- nonetheless. Yeah, because if they if those boys are playing for in, uh, I, I assume the um, rugby championship will be taking place at some point later this year. Yeah. But um, I'm, sure, I'm sure it will be. So yeah, they could be missing for some period, some time. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a big deal. Particularly, uh, Aker van der Moer has not made it, but uh, Kuni stays and has, and that's that's huge. I mean, I can't say how huge that uh, that is actually. Uh, well, mm. only if only if they play, because the 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 good slash bad news, depending on your perspective on that. Uh, good news in your case, JB, is that uh, South Africa have a lot of very very good players, so. I don't expect certainly the two Dupree brothers. I I think will struggle to leap over the players when everybody's fit. I don't know. I think Dan Dupree is world class. The thing is, going to get picked ahead of Dwayne Vermaelen if fit. Dwayne Vermaelen's not fit, is he? No, and he's not. Now, no, he's not now. But I'm looking ahead. Rugby Championship and. It's a good question. It's a good question. I, I don't know. The answer is I don't know. But the fact that they can play back row, mind you, they can all play back row and second row. They're all enormous. They're all. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, the answer is I don't know. Uh, when you you've got to put them in the test arena. My inkling is they might be a little bit one dimensional when it comes to the bigger stage. Maybe the Dupree's. That that kind of suits South Africa, doesn't it? Yeah, but like, you know, if you look at Lude play, he's a big bloke, right? But he's also amazing at rugby. Like, yeah, he's outstanding. He's, his skill set, his movement. The way he reads the game, yeah. every, 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 everything else. The Duprees are the best players I have ever seen in my life at manhandling other other men. Just manhandling them on the game line, after the game line. Yeah. 
you know, over the try line, uh, where, where, wherever they want to manhandle someone, they want, that's what they do. They're <laughs> Most, like, mostly on the rugby pitch. Yeah, like they're like they're like professional rugby bouncers. <laughs> but is the, is everything else there? Like when you watch them offload, sometimes it makes you cry. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we, yeah, like they're not they're not of the standard of Mostart. If I think of Mostart as like the quintessential amazing player that plays back row and also second row, that that's what I'd, I think of. I'd much prefer to see a team that could win the Premiership this season having England internationals in their starting 15 and eight South African internationals in their starting 15. Call me xenophobic if you like. but Well, they're busy that, winning the Championship, mate. That's, that's the yin <laughs> to the yang. Um, and, and it's, yes, there, there is um, hell, uh, financial issues with doing so. Mm. Just, just ask Saracens. But I I will say this about those those South African lads, like the work rate that they put in and how that bleeds into everyone around them is absolutely incredible because you see the work rate that uh, goes in from a a performance from, let's say, Curtis Langdon or Bevan Rod or, you know, I tell you, uh, Cam Neild, like it all is part, it's all pot, 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 the same thing. If you've not seen good, you don't know what good is and you need that nucleus of players to actually show you what to do in the same way that Rafi Quack Quirk 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 is developing so rapidly that'll be because he watches Fafta Clerk every day he knows what world class looks like mm. oh 100% I'm not I, I, I think it's exactly what I would do if I was running a premiership club it's the it's been done before we've seen the blueprint with other clubs it's how Saracens kick-started their success mm. uh, Gloucester, Gloucester tried the same thing and it looked like it was working well they've now reversed on that Exeter doing it and it's and it's going quite well. Um, yeah, it's exactly. It's, I think it's totally understandable. It's wrong that that is that is the case, and that's what I would try and solve if I was the RFU. Well, how could you incentivize clubs yeah. to to not need to sign tons of South Africans? You, you can't, unfortunately, because yeah. you've got to look at Worcester. Worcester are my case study in financial um, troubles, i.e. If I want, if I was to table an offer to a player right now to go and play for Worcester, it would have to be forty to sixty grand more than the same offer from Sale Sharks from, top, from one of the yeah. top four clubs. Yeah, so you got to get your you got to get your best players elsewhere, unless you're just going to pay pay through the nose like Sale but did you, at the very start. But you can't because of the salary cap. You can't just pay through, through the nose. For but, yeah, but you've got to have a smaller squad. Yeah, but so you've you got to say no. You no, no Premiership Cup. You, what I actually just said was. I would like the RFE or you or Premiership Rugby or whoever to focus on finding ways to incentivize not having to sign loads of South Africans but signing English players. There are ways you could do that. You could have um, the equivalent of, of academy credits. You could go, well, if you sign, if, you, if, if it's an English player, then you can have an extra, you can have 25% of their. Um, but everyone can have that. Salary knocked off, yeah, but, uh, or knocked off of this cap. So what you're saying is, for example, yeah. So yeah. the problem is, if 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 Worcester can have twenty five percent off an England international, so can sale. Yeah, and th- so the the problem with that is you're trying to solve a supply side problem with a demand side um, yeah. incentive. Mm. So that that's, yeah, it was that, the f- first thing I thought of. I'm, all I'm saying, yeah, is yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure there are. I'm sure the, there are potential it, solutions. Yeah, the, 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 the there, best there might be, but. The, for the potential solutions, part of it is driven by the the weakness of the rand yeah. and the mass enormous supply of incredibly talented South African yeah. rugby players. The, yeah, so, so to solve many. those, to solve those two, that is far beyond the RFU's remit. The way you solve it, yeah. Tim, 
is you spend lots of money on South Africans and then in the future you need to spend less money on South Africans. Because <laughs> that's what happens. You spend your money on South Africans and eventually you're able to buy Elliot Daly um, <laughs> and all the English guys. Um, bring, bring in some Vunapolas. Yeah. Get some Ecojis um, coming through. Who is an absolute classic that they signed? Winger, London Irish. Lewington. 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 Lewington would have cost like 60k more to go to Worcester, Worcester. Then, then win European Cups every year at Saracens. Saracens. That, so that's what you do. You've got to buy your South Africans before you exchange them for English people uh, <laughs> to trade uh, them out uh, uh, later on. Sounds harsh, but I'm deadly serious. Yeah, it, it does make sense. And that, that is a, a tried and tested blueprint. Mm. Yeah, it's been done many times. Um, there's two games that we've not touched on. Now, Tim, did you say you were at one of these? You're at the uh, I was London at, Irish was at London game. Irish. Yeah. What a game. Unbelievable, isn't it? What a rugby match. Tell me about Albert Tuasui in the first half. Uh, bludgeoned his way all over Wasps, who were not at the races at all. I, I'd, I'd want to focus on, yes, I think the, the positive is you focus on the heart that Wasps showed, and they've lost. I, I think they've been involved in, and this was the latest of them, before this weekend, they've been in, they were involved in 10 games where the winning margin was, I think, six or fewer points. So within within a score, and they lost nearly all of them. I think maybe eight eight out of ten they came out on the wrong side, which I think Oof. it's when it's when it's stacked like that, it's more than a just it's there's there's a trend there that you can dig into. I think a big part of that is the injuries that they've had to you know Joe Launchbury and um, uh, Jack Willis. Uh, Jack Willis, huge losses for them. Matteo Minotzi, Zach Kibarigi's injured as well. So some of their yeah. uh, Toa is injured lately. Barbary, yeah, exactly. And so they've had some real key injuries, and I think think that particularly the, the the experienced players, when you're losing tight games, they can have a massive impact uh, from the leadership point of view. But if there was any doubt over how that squad is tied together with Lee Blackett and what they think about him. I think the game this weekend was the answer. They absolutely play for him and uh, whatever he said at halftime, fair enough. Uh, But probably the more interesting one is what on earth happened to London Irish in the second half? Um, It's hard to put your finger on on exactly what, or if indeed it was just Wasp's endeavour. So... Was it? Because this is a game that I've not seen. So, obviously, uh, London Irish were thirty-three ten up at halftime. Yeah. Um, so at home with a crowd in, um, and then it's all fallen apart. So they've scored three points in the second half to Wasps. Uh, they twenty-nine. St- they just stopped playing. They just stopped attacking. Uh, their kicking w- went to pot, and also. And again, you mentioned something, JB, earlier about the power of just scoreboard pressure and taking points. And it's, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and the trend now is not to kick for sticks, but to go for the corner. But London Irish, several times, four points ahead, went for the corner when Oof. there were penalties in front of the posts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once and I just, I, I cannot fathom it. No, I, I, I can't either. I once had a talk by um, one of my coaches at halftime, it's a game where we were like two or three tries up. I think we were like two tries up. It wasn't a big lead, but it was a comfortable lead, but not a big lead, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, well, 
they're going to have to score twice and we're probably going to score once so they're never going to catch us because you know the, the way that we score like this is not how rugby works <laughs> like you, if they score two, twice we're not scoring again like it's just not a thing that happens it, it isn't like a it's not like a linear equation we get three <laughs> three for, points for, for every one they score we get we score two. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah, it doesn't work like that. We, the game we, we, swings and changes differently. Yeah, we, uh, you don't score three points every ten minutes, regardless of what <laughs> of what happens. That's that's just not a thing. Um, <laughs> and I think there's an element of that here. It, it reminds me of the way Northampton approached their second half, which is they went into damage limitation mode. They left the ruck, they left the ruck alone. They were worried about penalties down the middle rather than worrying about staying consistent and sticking to the plan that already worked so well for them. And as soon as they did that, the game changed, and then they've got 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 no more answers. I think something similar happened to Irish. Mm, when when the pressure comes on, it's consciously or unconsciously um, game plans and, and behaviours change. Compounding errors. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Big, big time. And the, the consequences. And again, I just cannot fathom not going. We'll take three. We'll get to seven because we might win another penalty, and that might get us to ten. Uh, I just I, I cannot fathom them doing that because the consequences are that they're now in ninth position, and their final game is it's one of the big clubs, isn't it? Uh, let's have a look. No, is, is it they Bristol? Are, They've they got to go to Bristol. Yeah, they're going away to Bristol. Mm. So then it's unlikely that they're going to get anything out of that. Yes. So just absolutely blown it after a brilliant season. In the last few weeks, they have blown it. Right. Here's, a, here's a question. Um, what is the money difference for making Champions Cup compared to Challenge Cup? Do you quarter know, of a million pounds. Is yeah, I don't know the exact amount, but I do remember Steve Diamond whinging about this because they played against Leon and they lost. Do you remember the jumping the tackle in, um, uh, incident? No. I I, and I just remember him saying, it's not even worth the money. We don't get paid anything... Uh, um, anything for this game uh, and we get tre- treated like this so whatever the difference is I imagine it's quite vast well Tim you, you said two, 250k I think it's around about a quarter of a million pounds a game no what? no no to, to be in the Champions Cup is so like the same as like pounds. a very well paid 12 uh, yeah a decent 12 a decent 12 um, why bother that's a, it's inter- it's, it is interesting because um, if it was so like for example, uh, Champions League is enormous, like to the tunes of tens. If not, if you think if you win the whole thing, a hundred million. Yeah, uh, but it, it's enormous. Um, oh, in, I mean, I don't know Champions if there's League. extra TV money and stuff like that. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I would have thought, but but um, for some, I kind of often say some teams you're better not getting into the the Champions Cup because you have to go and play away at Claremont and La Rochelle and Leinster, and you, you've got that brutal. Um, games where you're expected to put your best team out, but you're just going to get hiding regardless. So if you're if you're in that sixth place um, historically or seventh place, you're you're perhaps best not doing it. Yeah. But if but that obviously changes if there is a an enormous financial incentive. I think Irish or well, I mean they are obviously better off competitively for Premiership, not in it. But the way they play, I think they're going to be a very good team next year. Now we've already said. Tigers are going to be good. You've got the current top four. You've got Saracens back. Who knows? We might have a bath in uh, a diamond inspired bath, um, and then where Irish fit into that, or I, I don't know. But I think they're capable of challenging top six. Mm, I, I think they'll be around that. I think that 
with the team that they've got, um, I think they will be in that um, seventh to ninth place. That that place where they probably don't want to be uh, having to go away to La Rochelle or even host La Rochelle <laughs> or, or see host, La Rochelle. Yeah, or have ever, anything to do with La Rochelle. Ever go anywhere near La Rochelle? Yeah, it's so perhaps it's best for them not to be uh, in the top eight this this season. I've got two questions for you, Tim. Mm-hmm. First one: Why do you like the stadium so much? Tell me about it. It's tight. It's close. It's um, it's actually fairly similar, a bit bigger, but similar in design to the AJ Bell. Yes, go on. <laughs> it's quite. It's quite similar. It, it feels a little steeper, so everyone's a little closer to the ground, which is great. And it is right in the hubbub of, I mean, Brentford. Not the not the most glamorous part of uh, London, but it's being gentrified at quite a fast pace, and it's only a couple of minutes to Ealing Common and to um, what's the place Chiswick. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. So, so it's 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 in a part of town. It's there's pubs all around it. There's a train station literally outside the station. Wow, it's that does um, sound cool. Right, right on the uh, access road. Well, actually, no. Forget about what the roads are because you don't go there by road. It's close to the, the city of London. There's train stations right there. There's a buzz just when you walk up the street. There's all the pubs that had all the Irish people out. There were flags. There were balloons. It, was, it felt like it felt like an old school going to an old school rugby match or going to a football match. Which is this is what you get the sort of feeling around a football stadium on a match day. It felt a bit like that, and you only get that really in a couple of places in England: Welford Road, say Welford Road, uh, Northampton. Uh, less so. It's not really in town. I don't know. I've, I've actually been to relatively few rugby grounds, so I don't really know. Mm. Franklin's mm. Gardens is close, close to town, but it's not like it's not in in town. Whereas, um, yeah, it just it just had a really really good feel. But the, I like the steepness, the closeness, and the acoustics in the stadium. I don't know how four thousand people made that much noise. <gasps> That's what I want to talk about. Full. So I'm pretty sure no studies have ever been done it done done to this because I think everyone thinks it's obvious. But the AJ Bell sounded bloody loud on Friday. And obviously it only had, I don't know, 4,000 in or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think that crowd noise might be louder when you spread them out rather than the convention, which is put them all into one end. <laughs> no, gen- genuinely. <laughs> I <don't... laughs> genuinely. I, I, I wouldn't... Yeah, I'm, I'm not laughing at um, that statement. Uh, as in uh, that that statement's ridiculous. I'm laughing that the discussion about the statement is ridiculous. The discussion about the statement is ridiculous. As, as in that you are considering that is ridiculous. Well, like, hang on. <laughs> that I'm considering that there's no studies on yes. uh, yeah, crowd distribution. Yeah, exactly. But I thought that would have been like 101 for football and whatnot because they value their atmosphere so, it, so much. Well, Which is why they all it would pack have... them all into one corner to make a bit of noise. So United used to send out leaflets back in the day, let's say 15 years ago. I'm sure a United fan will tell me I'm wrong here. But I'm sure they used to say, if you want to sing, you've got, you know, send the best singers to X, XYZ stand <laughs> so we, you know, we can get some atmosphere because they were struggling, 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 struggling for atmosphere. But I think you need to distribute your crowd when you have low numbers to make it feel like it's still busy because it felt mm. really busy with 4,000. I mean, it is something that sale do need to consider long term, actually. What? How to distribute, <laughs> distribute low, number, low numbers? <laughs> yes. how, how to how to make a crowd of three to four thousand sound really loud? 
Well, they, they sounded bloody loud. They sounded <laughs> loud. Uh, yeah. My second question to you, Tim, is now that crowds are back, it strikes me that at least some BT Sport presenters have started to, shop, uh, to sharpen up a little bit. Ben K was, we- uh, was wearing a jacket. What were you wearing? And will you wear a tie next time? Uh, will I wear a tie next time? I think you no. should. I think you should start wearing a tie. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll give a tie a go at Sandy Park. You look at the NFL crews, right? When they yeah, show go, up. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, go on then. A, I'll, do, I'll do a tie this weekend. Good lad. Awesome. It's, because it's, it is a big, important event. You should it's dress a, up for it. It's an occasion, yeah. Yeah. And I think over lockdown, a lot of the commentary teams, because there's no fans there, it doesn't feel like an occasion, they tend to dress, usually because it's cold as well, so it's cold weather gear. But I, I actually think they've started dressing down and we should start dressing back up because the BT Sport lot used to be the best dressed com- comms teams in any sport. Like a few years well, ago. Well, I, I, even though I was out of vision for my work on Saturday, I I was wearing my my nice chestnut lo- loke boots, and I was wearing a Lovely. jacket and shirt. I, I have never ever let my standards slip. However, I <laughs> vow to take it up a notch. I'm going to get. A, I'm going to go and find a new pocket square, and I'll get a tie. So, unsurprisingly, um, uh, a man got cancelled in sports called Don Cherry. Just have a look at Don Cherry. Just, just, just Google Don Don Cherry. Don Cherry, and then it. immediately explain to Tim what not, Tim what you're saying. Not the American jazz trumpeter. Do, Don Cherry, NHL. Wow. Canadian <laughs> ice hockey commentator. That's the one. Wow. I mean, that is. I mean, there's some outfits there. There are some outfits. Wow. He's loud. Yeah, I haven't so got a, a Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. I'm yeah, not saying you go. Don- oh my word! The blue and white check one. I'm yeah. At. Whoa. Yeah. I'm not saying you go full Don Cherry yet, but not yet. <laughs> you got to work up to full Don Cherry. This this could be your thing. I mean, I wore. Oh, look at Phil. Look at the the. It's almost like the the Doddy Weir tartan check with the with the um with the necklaces on the outside. Wow. The necklaces are a nice yeah. touch, aren't they? And he's got that. Um, I don't know what the name of the collar is, but. This kind of collar with a very, very, an enormous collar and a very, very I, tiny yeah. tent. It's, it's not for me, that kind of collar, but... I worked with a financial advisor once. He, he was one of the up. most qualified financial advisors in the country. This is when I was working for a private bank. And he rocked up to work with a blue shirt, white collars, but the collar, cuff and collars were white. Yeah. The collar was like a round, round, very severely swept collar. It was one yeah. of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> it was horrendous. <laughs> Now, if you're doing sports broadcasting, it's okay. You, but, yeah, you know, you, you want to invest a couple of million quid, not to no. that guy wearing that. <laughs> did you did you see any of the NFL draft suits that the players wear when they go up and uh, get drafted in the NFL? No, they're, but there's there's some well dressed fellas. Yeah, no, and so not this year, but one of my favourite Google searches is draft suits, <laughs> particularly or, or, or NFL suits because of the amount of buttons. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, no, 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 it's the NFL lineman. Yes. And also, you've got to admire the cut of 19, 1990s suits. Look up the oh from from the uh I can't remember the name of it now, the, the Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. The suits there are outrageous. Do you know what the worrying thing is about those suits? They will be coming back. <laughs> like it's just a matter of time oh, until like, they will come back. The, they will come back. Like the cause a suit, a classic lounge suit, a classic two-button lounge suit, is such a traditional thing. Like the the fit slightly might go slightly wider or slightly slimmer 
I can't ever see like the the five button right up to the tie suit. <laughs> then that's surely you, not. I'm telling you, it, it it will come back. They were they were sneering at double-breasted suits then, uh, <laughs> fitted double-breasted suits with, a, with, with you know wearing their boxes. Type in. Um, there's oh my goodness, there's one picture. I might. Have, I don't, I'm gonna find. I need to find out who this guy is because um, I'm looking at the worst suit you've ever seen. Hold on, <laughs> let me find out his name. Oh, it's it's on a little. It's on a list called. It's 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 a GQ article. Phil, type in forty worst draft suits. Oh yes, forty worst. Oh yes, <laughs> but, but the the one that I'm looking at is the guy that <laughs> is it the one the which jacket. cut off. Sorry, is it the one that's cut off around the abs? No, it's one that just looks like it looks like the jacket is about seven foot long, let alone the. Player. Oh wow! I think the the um, front page, the first item of it, the grey the grey suit. Yeah, he's shaking hands with that fella. <laughs> oh wow! So the, this the bloke is obviously about six foot ten. That that jacket is about five and a half foot long. So, Jews <laughs> are a remarkably well dressed man consistently. The most, the, the best dressed man in BT Sport, and I raise this for one particular issue. Uh, hmm. Craig Doyle is always very smartly dressed. Bit trendy, but yeah, I, I, very smart, but bit trendy. Yeah, he does. He does like to wear trainers. That's unacceptable. Um, obviously, Hugo again, very smart, bit too yeah, trendy, very trendy, very trendy. Um, Sarah's always got good jackets. I, so, Sarah's different because she's different. Who? Bafes. Bafes is always, always in classic. a nice jacket. Always classic. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing because he's a massive man and lots of massive, massive men say, oh, I can't find jackets to fit. Well, you can. You can. You can. You can look like Martin Bayfield. Yes, absolutely. Some of these, uh, <laughs> these draft guys should have. <laughs> taking some some, some Martin Bayfield maybe that could be Martin Bayfield's little side hustle um, style advising NFL draftees <laughs> outrageous um, oh that, that's that's a wormhole I'm going down I'm, <laughs> NFL draft suits so is getting some serious time um, there was one other game and I, I didn't see any of this no no one did would Tim like to give some credit to Stuart Hooper uh, no. got, yeah well done Stuart, Stuart yeah, Hooper for yeah, uh, picking up you got some points on the board Four four points on the oh. board. Well <laughs> the the other game, Newcastle Worcester. Oh yes. So I only watched up to twenty six minutes of this. Do you know why? <laughs> uh, you had a pizza in the oven. Nope. There's a good reason. Do you know why I only watched 26, 26 minutes? What happened after twenty six minutes? Something remarkable. That was when the other game came on. There was uh, a triple front row substitution. Yeah. Twenty six. So I was watching. What was I watching? Leicester Tigers. With Harper and I on the on, on on the Worcester game, and all of a sudden there's a triple substitution. I'm like what? And it was all the front row. So I watched back, think thinking like, obviously Worcester had a terrible scrum. Not really. I still can't work out what Jonathan Thomas is thinking here. Whether he's lost his head, whether it's just a roll of the dice. Why is it? Was I mean, it pre-planned? Well, because it, it it looks on the face of it like the more experienced trio were on the bench. Yeah. So maybe he thought, my, my more experienced trio have got 60 minutes in them. I'll, I'll start the, I'll start my reserves, get 20 minutes out of them, and then get the 60 minutes from my... 
More experienced guys? Well, I thought that because, you know, it's 55 minutes, isn't it? Because they had 26 minutes, so 55 minutes remaining. That's not unusual for a front row to play that amount no. of time. No. So if you just reversed the... Yeah, so if it was if it was on the 54th minute, for example, and they do a triple substitution, you would have no issue with it. That would be totally normal. Yeah. That would not stand out at all. And maybe but, it is that you wanted to finish with the stronger... And why the stronger, then? It could have been pre- totally, totally pre-planned. Yeah, so Combs said it wasn't, but I don't think Combs had any idea if it was or not. I mean, it was unusual. Uh, I can't wait for the West uh, for Wester for the for the Worcester press conference this week because, of course, that'll be the first, first thing. Yeah, first thing to ask, like, what on earth were you doing? Why did you do that? Yeah, because if it wasn't pre-planned, it's a horrendous message to those front three. Yeah, particularly and, if if they weren't if they were getting absolutely pumped, they did give away a penalty. A penalty. They had Ted Hill in the second row, didn't they? Yeah, he's not. Well, he, he probably is big enough to be a second row, but he's not a, um, an out-and-out second row. Yeah, so the, the scrum before that, they they did fine. Uh, well, actually, sorry, what am I talking about? The scrum before that, they gave away a penalty. But it didn't, to me, look like an obvious penalty. In fact, they were going forward on one side. I think it yeah, was it's just a 61 half. Yeah, yeah. And the referee made a decision. So he didn't warrant bringing off the whole, the whole crew. And if it was a statement, well, why them? Why not everybody else? I mean, he's 17-0 down. I do like the idea that you were so uh, perplexed by that decision. You just turned the TV off and walked out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not watching any more of this. Uh, yeah, there's nothing more to be, gla- to, 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 to be gleaned here. So well, that, the, that was it. The sad reality for Worcester is even if they beat Gloucester in the final game of the season, in, in their final home game, they will be the worst premiership side yeah. with the only exception being the second iteration of London Welsh. The first yeah. London Welsh in the Premiership were better than this Worcester side. Devastating, isn't it? Which, yeah, which is not good. Devastating. I don't know. I mean, I think about Worcester a lot. A lot. Because it's fun to watch a team. Uh, because I guess that's one of the things about uh, ring fencing now. Whether you like it or not, one of the things is we can observe how you rebuild a team in the Premiership from scratch. If they've got the money... They're going to have to spend it. And if you're a fan, you're going to have to sit tight for, what, three years before you're going to be even remotely happy? I mean, what would a Worcester fan presumably would be happy with 11th place right now? Well, yeah, it's better than... They'd actually be happy with, like, I don't know, a couple more wins. Like, not just one single solitary win. Eighth, they'd be ecstatic. So, do I think they'll get eighth next... Well, we just spoke about how strong the table is. The amount of money they're going to have to spend... The amount of South Africans are going to have to get in. It's just <laughs> eye watering. Eye watering. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I might have. I, I think I might have forgotten Rotherham Titans on the second time they were in the Premiership as well. Might have done. Well, unless Worcester win, it, they might have done worse than them. But anyway, they're right. This Worcester 2020-2021 is one of the worst Premiership. It's teams up there, isn't it? Ever. It's up there. Uh, anyone want to say anything about the news? Steve Diamond is looking for houses in Montpellier. Yeah, Cheltenham area. Well, that could be that could be Gloucester. Yeah, it could be Worcester. It could be Bath. Well, first and foremost, right? He does just like going to the Gold Cup, though, doesn't he? He does like the Gold Cup. Yeah. So first and foremost is when someone described it to me as, "Oh my God, Diamond's buying a house in Montpellier." I was like, "What's the link to Bath?" Because Montpellier is a suburb of Cheltenham. 
Uh, I did not know this. Okay. I, right. I, <laughs> you you need to clarify to me, right? If you say Diamond's buying a house in Paris, and Paris happens to be a suburb of Sheffield, right? <laughs> yeah, that needs to be clarified to me before you say he's buying a house in Paris. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. My immediate reaction to this, I'm surprised he's only buying one house. I, I would I would have thought he'd, he'd be buying multiple, multiple houses. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see this being Gloucester, you know. I can. Mm, I, I can see it being because... many teams. I I don't know whether it would be to help Skivington or to to uh, shuffle Skivington along, but yeah, who, who knows? He's also a very, very, very bright businessman, and if you've got lots of rugby contacts, a house in Cheltenham is a pretty handy thing to rent out to mm. rugby players. And so Cheltenham is considerably closer to Gloucester than Bath, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's where all the Gloucester players live. Very yeah. few it's where Gloucester all the Gloucester players, players live. Yeah. I think a couple of them live on like is, it, is there a dock of some sort? I've never I've only yeah. been to Gloucester twice. There's a key, there's a quayside in Gloucester. That's right, yeah. So I'm sure. You, hang on, what what does it service the key? Is it like a canal key? Can't be a, a shipping key, can it? Yeah, Gloucester key. Uh, uh, so I think it's a canal. I think it's a canal uh, canal system, but it's got one of those. It's got like those trendy newer quayside type buildings, and it's got a. Like an outlet village, like one of those MacArthur Glen type outlet places. Oh, like it's, um, that, it's that sort of a spot. Ah, right, 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 right. Yeah. So a lot of the lads live in Cheltenham. I guess that's where he'll be. Do, do you know who owns all the bars in Cheltenham? Allegedly, hmm. James Simpson Daniel. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not a rugby player. Uh, no, then the owner of Super Dry. I was going to say Super Dry because they. Yeah, um, yeah. He is Mister Cheltenham. Got, yeah. Yes. There was an article about him in the Times about all the things that he owns. And it had some of the pictures of his bars and hotels. And they look awesome. Mm. Yeah, so we have to put those on the list too. Yeah, I I suspect it's Bath rather than Gloucester. Come, come think of it. I think well, Skivington has not done a bad job. Well, has he? And, and also, is this is this even a story? Or is this is this a bit of a diamond PR going on? Tell tell Neil Fisler in the rugby paper that uh, Dimes have been looking for houses in Montpellier. Because let's not be honest. Let, let's be honest. Rugby is not a big enough sport where <laughs> yeah, an estate agent point, is going to pick up the phone and go, "Hey, Neil Fisler, I've got a story for you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the twenty yeah the twenty one year old uh, girl showing people around. Oh, oh my god, it's Steve Diamond. <laughs> it's not like it's Cristiano Ronaldo going for lunch in the. Uh, like you always hear, don't you? Cristiano Ronaldo is in the Hilton in Worsley. Yeah. Just you seen him in the hills and in, 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 in Worsley. <laughs> yeah, that's a that, that's a good point actually. Mm. Um, Mind you, they do love their rugby in those parts, so you never know. Yeah. Very, very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do they love it that much? Do they? That's a good question. Um, right. Anything else, or shall we um, preview next week's games? Yeah, let's do that. And, and firstly, that, that that top eight battle now is well potentially. A, Leicester could miss out on a spot. Wasps could could miss. Leicester, Wasps, Bath, Irish, Newcastle can all get it. Wow. Mm. And technically Gloucester as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so if anyone, anyone bar Worcester. What a sad indictment. <laughs> um, so. for, for the record, I hate that the top eight are in the Champions Cup, but I like that these games are meaningful yes. in this final game. Yes, agree on both counts. Um, so all games, all games are kicking off at th- um, three o'clock. Yes. So we've got Bath 
host Northampton Saints. I'm going for a Bath win on this. I think Saints will rest up bigger, rest up Laws, uh, rest up all their big... I think they'll... Yeah, I think Bath will win it. Well, yeah, um, there's... I, I do get um, resting up Lions, but there's no there's no point resting anyone else. Really, is there? Is there? Because this is the this is the final game. Um, Guess not. But their position their position in the league isn't going to change, win or lose. But that said, that's probably the case before this weekend. So, and they still went out and gave it everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with him on that. So, give me Bath. Um, then we've got Bristol host London Irish, which is going to be a home win. Unless Bristol rest everyone. Oh no, last game of the season they probably won't. A home and, game. And, and Bristol are only three points ahead of Exeter, so they could lose yeah. first place. And you'd rather play Quinns than Sale. Yeah, here's something controversial. Bristol will definitely be a strong enough team not to win this game. Here's something controversial for you. I think Bristol are basically a busted, a busted, a busted flush now. Mm. I think these two weeks have been devastating for them. Um, one, the manhandling by mauling by Sale. Yeah. And then two. The whole fracas around um, replacement gates, FOO lamb, and it just undermines the whole project, the whole you know culture culture thing, blah blah blah. So they've had a sort of like a double loss, even though that was a win. They have to win this, I think, going into playoffs because otherwise they're kind of in a tailspin. I mean, if they lost first place, that'd be a disaster. So yeah, yeah with that in mind, I'm going to go full a yeah full on Bristol against Irish. Yeah, I suppose it makes it easy for London Irish. They they, they can't really. They're not going to be cagey for this one because they're just going to go out swinging, knowing they're the underdogs. I still think Bristol will win. Mm. Uh, yeah, Bristol will go out full strength. Bristol will win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Exeter Chiefs um, hosting Sale. Now we talked about this before. What's your prediction, JB? We talked about likelies <sighs> and possibles and all the rest of it. I did say it's most likely that Exeter would win. Yes, a narrow X to win. I don't think that actually. No, uh, I, I think I think Sale will beat them. Mm. I think Sale will put out their full team. They have no other option to do so. Sale are the only team in the league that I think will handle X's, Exeter's physicality. The breakdown will be mega. The biggest risk for both these teams is twofold: injury risk, and then the risk that they are demoralised by what happens in in this game. Neither team strike me as particularly fragile. No. At the end of this. No. In this weekend, they are the standout uh, play- playoff teams. Um, um, Bristol are for me as well, but Bristol, their form has dipped a little bit yeah. just at the wrong time. Well, I, I, you know, the other part of that is Sale didn't show any weaknesses really th- this weekend. They just got to work and hammered a rubbish Harlequins team. Yeah, and it was Sale rested a few players. Mm. Quinns sent out the amateurs. Well, they had nine change. Quinns had chain- ten changes. Sale had nine changes. I think that's a disingenuous way to look at it because they're not like for like. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Exeter team that went out against Northampton was a genuinely strong Exeter team, and they got put through the ringer for a whole half. Mm-hmm. So you know, looking at all those things combined, I would expect Sale to get a win. The question then becomes: Will it be the right type of win? <laughs> so it's got to be a if, bonus if, point win with, with but, but a win is a win and it so I don't think Sale will get the bonus point win I I, I think Exeter but I don't think it, it's very likely at all that Sale will get the right type of win as in for Sale to leapfrog Exeter 
But it doesn't actually matter because if sales show they can go down and be Exeter, they will yes. be, they will be buoyed. So it, it, a sale win is huge for the following week. Yeah, I Agreed. couldn't agree more. Yeah. So Agreed. Uh, I, I would point to one thing, and that is that in 21 games, Exeter have picked up 14 bonus points. So I think they will at least get a point, even if they were to lose. So I don't that it will that the semi final will happen at Sandy Park. I could see Sale turning Exeter over. I think the Chiefs will narrowly win. Yeah, give me give me a, a narrow Chiefs win. But I, that's that's the game that I'll be watching I most that, closely. Do you know what? I'm going to be really bold here. I think no. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. I think Sale are going to win by five points, and I think that they're going to shut Exeter out. And Sam Lawrence is going to have to dust off the keys to the AJ Bell. Hmm. Um. So then, the other games we've got Quinns versus Newcastle, which and, and I wonder what Quinns fans would think about that, that. I mean, I've just sort of said it. Oh, Bristol would rather play Quinns. I wonder if Quinns will be a little bit just quietly waiting, biding their time because people are starting to put them as the weak link out of the four. Well. I was chatting to a couple of people from Quinns this weekend at the game, and they do seem remarkable. Well, this is pre-game before they got manhandled, but they do seem remarkably confident. I kind of get why. They can score. I mean, this, I'm going to say this Quinns-Bristol game, when they eventually meet, uh, it doesn't really matter matter who who they've got next. Uh, What? Quinns Bristol. No, as in like who Quinns are playing next weekend? Uh, Newcastle. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, it doesn't matter. So the one they're going to be looking at is potentially a Bristol game. I can see that game degenerating into just you score, we score, you yeah. score, we score. 60, 60 points to fifty, something like that. If Quinns could pick, um, if they if Quinns got the club call for extra sale or Bristol, Quinns would choose Bristol. I think so. Wouldn't they? Yeah, um, because they. Styles make matchups. They that is the best matchup for them. And the only player I thought played well for Harlequins was well. There was a few actually. Uh, actually, there's a few bright, bright spots for them. Uh, Lewis Liner played very well when he came on. He looked like the only, second half the only player that could be bothered. Um, <laughs> I thought Benny Taps was very good at, at parts, and he'll be decent just to keep them ticking over until Andre Esterhazen gets ready if they make the final. But in yeah, so I think they're going to basically throw next uh, ne- next week and then focus everything on, on Bristol. And I think they'll be dangerous, very dangerous, actually. Yeah, the, they... the one thing for Quinns I would point to, well, as, as you said, they can score for fun. They are the highest scoring team in the Gallagher Premiership over the 21 games so far. I imagine, yeah. Mm. And, and they won't be surpassed by Exeter uh, in the final weekend. But it's when you look at the points conceded, the top three teams are all in the 300s. Uh, positions fifth and sixth, Northampton and Leicester, are in the 400s. Harlequins are in the 500s. Wow. Yeah, and Harlequins have conceded more um, points than London Irish in ninth and Gloucester in 11th. They've con- they've been incredibly leaky. Gloucester had a few COVID games, uh, which yes. didn't get added to the points true. total, I guess. It's one factor, but yeah. Yeah, you, true. The, the point stands. Yeah. They're leak they're leaky. Yes. So I I'm saying Quinn's a home win. I think they'll put out a strong team because they will be they'll be yeah. now last home to, game. Yeah, and they'll be wanting to get on a run for they want to get some form ahead of facing Bristol. 
Yes. So give me Quinn's Quinn's at home. Jay? Oh, did I not say? Uh, Quinn's will not win. Quinn's will not win. Okay. Um, Then we've got uh, Wasps hosting Leicester. Uh, the East, one of the East Midlands good old final win against be, Champions Cup spot. Good, this will be a good old scrap. Leicester, mm. I am big on to Leicester now. Mm, I like Wasps. I think Leicester will be too smart for them. Yeah, last game, last game at the Rico. I'm going to go Wasps. Give me, give me Leicester as well. Actually, Leicester, I think I did rest a few players um, with with probably a fo- more of a focus on on this game. Did you see who they sent to um, calm down Steve 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 Borthwick in in the stands? No. Have a look again, uh, and uh, we'll talk about it ne- uh, next week. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Good tease. Um, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the final game is Worcester versus Gloucester. Which give me Gloucester. Gloucester, and Worc- they could sneak a, the final Champions Cup spot if they get a five point win. They could do, yeah, for the results. Going, is this at this. Gloucester? Uh, it's at Worcester. Oh. That's six ways. It doesn't matter, does it? Oh, no, they can't. <laughs> oh, if... No, they can't. They can't. They could, it's they, only if Bath lose. Well, I mean... Yeah, they, but, they need... So London Irish are going to lose. Newcastle, I think, will probably lose. They do need Bath to lose. Yeah. So, yeah. But they can uh, leapfrog Bath. It doesn't strike me as impossible that Bath could lose. It's definitely not impossible. No. Bath need a point, basically. Bath need a point because if yeah. Gloucester win with a five-point win and Bath get a draw, they will, Bath will get the position on wins. Yes, correct. So, but yeah, Bath just need one point. In, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. In the same way that Exeter need one point against Sale to to be safe for second place. Couple of very quick things. Our our friends at the um, the USA Rugby Pod. Yes. Have, uh, went out on, uh, well, they met up with JP Doyle. Yes. Did they? Yeah. yeah. Warren Top and Preston. Boys. Yeah. Hi, guys. Top lads. So give them a listen. Definitely. And uh, I met up with, um, fi- finally had a uh, little bit of a meet up and a chat with the uh, the legendary Chinese lensman from the Moldover Pod. I and, saw him uh, on Friday. Yeah, he... You saw him on Friday. I saw him on Saturday. He gets about. <laughs> he does get about. And a uh, thoroughly nice chap. Mm. So check out those guys as well and There's... the mushroom cup i assume is still happening oh and the other thing is top oh, 14 rugby stop. is back on is, is on is on premier sports now another reason yes. for you to oh, dust yeah. off premier sports jb yes yes uh, I about that. makes your subscription cheaper yes it does less than 100 pound a year 100 pound a game a game sorry a game <laughs> um thank you um what was i ask about this Mush- um, mushroom, mushroom cup. cup did benetton win no Oh, because they had a bye week. Yes. <laughs> so Glasgow, um, they did win. So Glasgow are currently top on 19 points, but Glasgow have no more games. Then Benetton are on 18 points. They play uh, the Ospreys away. Uh. Um, Munster and Cardiff Blues are both on 15, but Munster, uh, who are Munster playing? Um, Munster have got a game at Cardiff. Don't ah. Oh, so so Munster travel to Zebrae. So Munster are going to get a five-point win. Yeah, Benetton yes. need uh, they will need three points. A draw from their game. So uh, you're talking a draw. A uh, bonus point draw could see them uh, traveling to to face uh, what's likely to be Monestain's Bulls. Wow! And who are they playing? 
Ospreys. Uh, Ospreys. Ospreys who are in sixth place. I wish I knew moment. if any of these teams were any good so I could make a, <laughs> make, make, make a judgment. It's a farce, isn't it? Position. Well, not if Benetton win it. No, it's not. It's a very serious, very prestigious competition, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Glasgow, <laughs> by the way, announced 21 players leaving. So if you want to see a list of those, go and find them out. Did they really? 21, yeah. wow. <sighs> Tough times. And that's everything. That's it. Lovely job. There we go. Right, I'm going to go. No, you're not. You're going to type up the name of this bloody podcast. <laughs> I right. promise. I promise. I'll be uh, in person next week, and I can only apologise. Okay. So, uh, thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading, yada yada yada. Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, <laughs> all that stuff. That's great. Uh, North Doors at Sevens. You're, if you're a player and you want to play, email contact eggchasers at gmail dot com dot com. Correct. Com. Contact yes. at gmail.com. And JB, if anyone's still listening and, and actually has seen it through to the very bitter end, then I reckon you should tell us just very quickly who was the person who Leicester Tigers sent to calm down Steve Borthwick. Because very few people will hear this. Yeah, sure. It was. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 